Carla's in the back playing Cities Skylines. Her and I are addicted to this uh, city building game. Okay. Um, My kids are playing Minecraft. Spend. Is it similar? Uh, sort of. This yeah. is like more like uh, I I got onto this game because there's like a YouTube guy. He's a city planner, like a real city planner, and he plays this game. So it's a little more like real world, you know, like if you don't have water, like you have to put like sewage treatment in or water treatment in and like electrical and people want more schools or they want higher education. You know, you have to follow the needs of the communities and stuff as you build them. It's a, it's a little less uh, arcade than Minecraft or a little less than like SimCity. But we're spending hours on this thing and I'm like having stress nightmares about this game. Like uh, the last time we played till 2 AM and then I couldn't sleep the whole night. I kept waking up thinking about the road systems like, Oh "Oh my God, people need more schools. And I kept waking up. It was so stressful. Like a Tamagotchi. (laughs) with Like higher stakes, I guess. Like a Tamagotchi. Yeah, sure. Higher stakes. I mean, no, the stakes aren't any higher, but uh, I'm stressing out about it for sure for some reason. That's how you're feeling about it, man. I would say the stakes are higher. (laughs) The stakes, yeah, I mean, personally, I'm taking it more seriously, but I never had a Tamagotchi. I've never worried about my digital pet dying, so maybe I would (laughs) have. Yeah, neither did I. I think I'm stressed out young. Yeah, I went from Not really. I mean, it was in there. It was in that wheelhouse. I made time for Pogs. Um, we're that, okay. So, you know, around the same surprise, time? surprise, if you're listening to this and you don't know that we're both like, uh, in our 40th year, um, which means that like when I was a nine year old kid, like toys were still marketed for boys or for girls separately. And it wasn't cool. It wasn't like, you know, I was, it wasn't as cool to play with Barbie as a young boy or whatever. Like, I, you know, uh, so Tamagotchi to me felt like a girl toy. Okay. Not to offend people and today in today's standards by saying girl toy, but speaking about my impression of it when I was a kid, I was like, oh, Tamagotchi, oh, those are for girls. Only girls would want to play with those. Am I wrong? Did you get that, you get that impression from those? Well, if Tamagotchi felt like it was in Cabbage Patch or Barbie to me. But it I was like quiet, I saw a little, I, like it was cute and stuff. It was a little cute. This is right at the start, but uh, message me. Or Gaurav, uh, can you confirm that at gmail.com? Or can you confirm that at Instagram? Instagram, Instagram, And let us know if, if you think Tamagotchi was for boys or girls. or um, And, like, I don't want you to listen to this and think about how it would be today and say, like, who cares? Because you're right, who cares? But I want you to think about it like it was 1991 <laughs> and how you felt about it then. Is that too much to ask? Is that weird? I think it's weird, but I mean, I don't know if anybody's going to remember. Oh, I remember. Like, uh, I don't know. I don't think it was anyone. I remember seeing it. I remember seeing it. But yeah, yeah, you might not be wrong. You might not be wrong. It may have skewed heavier to female. Yeah. Like Um, Shira. Like they had a Shira. Girls got Shira and boys got He-Man, right? Right. Coming soon. In a world. Where everything is awesome, 
two podcasters vowed not to cry for yesterday on a journey to keep their listeners up to date on news. Like, it's, like if you're a brony nowadays, can you get canceled for saying brony? Entertainment. Was in The Joker, directed by Todd Phillips. Todd Phillips directed The Hangover with Bradley Cooper, who does voice work with Vin Diesel and Guardians of the Galaxy. And pop culture. Also known in the Quran as Ibrahim. Okay, hey. Um, right? Like, he's like the Tony Stark of the of the scriptures, uh, man. He's, he's in everyone. He, exactly. Yeah. He, Nick Fury. Well, I was going to say Nick Fury. Don't lose yourself to the music this week because your heart will go on. It's a terrible movie. No, but he, I me, know, right? At me, Christopher Nolan. That movie. Take it up terrible. with him, son. Take the highway to the danger zone with. Hey, I'm John Brown. Hey, come Gorov Wonder. I'm Gorov. I'm Gorov. Gorov? Gorov. Um, spaghetti. Anybody could do that role. Which is what they say about any movie Vin Diesel's in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's start the show. Not touching this. <laughs> you don't want to get, I like that that's Gorov's line, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> like he will go real far, but like say bitch, no. And, um, <laughs> yeah, there's, there's a couple things. lines. Yeah. He's afraid as hell of BTS. <laughs> I don't know. We're learning. If, if you liked Tamagoshi's, that's fine. That's fine. Hey, I'm not, I'm not saying that it's not fine. I'm just saying that I can remember not getting into them because I thought it was a girl toy. That's all. Okay, that's fine. It was. And if you played with them, you're a girl. <laughs> I never owned one, but I was always curious mm-hmm. about what was sure. so... I don't know. I know I would have just let mine die every day anyway, so it doesn't matter. I don't see... Yeah. Knowing what I know about myself with City Skylines, I would have been too stressed. Well, I mean, if I had... the. You know, I'm a pretty good dad, so the question is, like, would Tamagotchi's have made me a better one or a worse one? I feel like... I feel like if you get used to a bunch of things just dying on you every day, it's probably not setting you up for success. Yeah, but you know how they say, like, you, you don't know what real love is until you, like, hold your child for the first time? They don't... It's sure. not... The expression isn't, you don't know what real love is until you turn on that Tamagotchi for the first time. Right, so like, isn't that on the box? I feel like that was the slogan on the back. <laughs> true of the love, box. true love, true love is two AA batteries. Two AA batteries, yeah. <laughs> it might be no, they might be like watch batteries because I think those it was, were like it little keychains, right? Yeah. I just didn't want to throw out CR thirty five battery and. You oh, know. you don't want to like call out the name. <laughs> well, that's quite the specific yeah. format size. Um. Okay, so uh, tomorrow. Is an interesting day, right? Are you interested in, in what's going to happen tomorrow on the news? Tomorrow being January 20th for us in this version of reality where we're recording this, as opposed to yours where you're listening. Is there some sort of thing happening tomorrow? Isn't it tomorrow? Or is it the 21st? No, no, it's tomorrow. It is tomorrow. Yeah. I mean, what are you talking about, though? Well, I'm talking about uh, Trump's uh, grand move. <laughs> oh, right, right. The finale, uh, the official finale of democracy. Like, are, are you interested in, like, if anything's going to happen? Like, let's throw out some predictions here. What could happen tomorrow? 
that good. Now, apparently they're having, they have mm-hmm. like more troops in DC than they have in like all the nations they're occupying or some shit. Like, don't they have like 15,000 troops in DC tomorrow or something like that? Yeah. Or you're laughing. Like, am I wrong? No, no, you're right. Yeah. They have a lot of troops, but it's, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then they're also like vetting their troops. To make sure that none of them They're are not trumpets, traitors, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah, that would be. Would that not be the anti-Gerard Butler movie? Yeah, yeah, right. How do they vet them? Do they like put a heart monitor on and like show them a picture of Martin Luther King and see if their uh, like rate goes <laughs> up or something? Like, like how do they vet them? Like truthfully vet them? Like, that's like, good. Dean I, Martin, yeah, right? Like Frank Sinatra. Sammy Davis. Oh, his heart went up. Oh, get this fucker out of here. He didn't like right. seeing Sammy Davis just then. You don't like black people. No, yeah. I just hate Jews. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good Sammy Davis joke. That's the same shit. It? That's the same Trump people, though. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, yeah, I guess that's how you would have to do the test. I'm, I don't know. But that's in this backwards world where the movies go backwards, right? Like, we're living Tenet, right? Where everything's just going backwards. Oh, wow. So... If that's Time the case, keeps moving yeah. forward for Joe Biden, though. You can see it. Oh, geez. Benjamin fucking Button. Um, <laughs> he wishes. Yeah, he wishes. Uh, I don't know. I mean, we could see some crazy shit tomorrow, but hopefully we don't. I think we're at that point. This is how much the world has broken me down, John. <laughs> okay, tell me. Let's you, talk about like, your you, sad side again. <laughs> if we know, but if we start from like episode one and we're on to like 27, 28. It's um, 28, 28. People, people will have heard me often saying things like a couple people might die tomorrow and like joking about it. Yeah. I am now at that point where I'm just like, bro, I just want to get through a day where none of the shit that I say actually comes true. You know? So part okay, of me Okay, then like, put out some big claims. Like well, what no, do you think that, won't I, come true tomorrow? I, that's what I mean. Like when I, when, let's just go back 30 seconds as soon as I said... I hope it just goes nice and calmly. I already know it's not going to. Okay, so crazy prediction that hopefully won't come true tomorrow. Okay, we learn that Biden accepting the inauguration is a hologram because a a bullet goes straight through the hologram and it kind of breaks apart and he glitches. That's going to happen tomorrow. Okay, so if we want to go down the roads of, it's been four years of us saying this couldn't possibly happen and things happen, right? Yeah. Like, right. Anything can happen. Uh, anything can happen because I don't think anybody sat there and said, hey, the Capitol will probably get stormed and an insurrection will happen. Like people <laughs> would have said it two years ago and somebody would have looked at that person and be like, dude, why are you being so dramatic? And like two years later, that person's like, that's why. But <laughs> uh, what I want to see, okay, this is my, I want to see a movie version of this where. Biden is like about to um, say the oath or whatever they do. Okay. Yeah. And um, out bursting out, leading the riot is Eric Trump wrapped in the, in the uh, American flag, like sloth from the Goonies. And he's like, and he's like, that's how I want to see it. Like, um, I think because he's pretty close to sloth. Right. So, well, okay. I mean, it's funny that you go with there because, like, my unrealistic prediction that seems like it might come true would be Donald Jr. taking Biden hostage. Oh, 
right? I mean, yeah. Oh, I know. Clever sound, enough? Sound, no. Are any of them? No. Right? Uh, they're clever enough to get into the Capitol building, but not clever enough to actually get to Pence. Pretty sad, right? Right? Like, it's... It's it's a weird, as weird and stupid as it sounds, but would you be surprised tomorrow if, you know, right after lunch, all you hear is Donald Jr. has holed himself up in the White House and has taken Biden into, like, a room? Like, would you be surprised? I don't think I would. Uh, yes, I think I'd still be surprised. That's the thing about me is that, like, I still, there's still an element of surprise, right? Like <laughs> I guess. on the sixth, I was still fucking surprised, and it, it like drew my attention for five days straight. I think. Well, the only thing I'll say about Donald Jr. is, if you've been around enough guys who've done enough coke, you know, I haven't. But deep down, <laughs> like they believe anything is possible, right? So, yeah, um, here's I a here's a. Them. Lesson here's a lesson that I hope Donald J. Trump learned. When you manipulate the most gullible part of society, and you that was your intention, uh, complicated tasks like staging a coup aren't going to go in your favor after. Like, you need to find better people to manipulate. If you want to take over the government or, 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 and you know, complicated things like that. Right. And, and I think that's the key thing that everybody forgets about the civil war. Yeah. Is that yes, the South was into slavery, but they weren't stupid people. They were just bad people. Right. Yeah. And this yeah. is a difference where like, these are just stupid and bad people. They're um, bad because they're stupid. Right. Exactly. And versus back then where it was just more. You're going to try to tell me Thomas Jefferson was a dumb person. Mm -hmm. No, he was just a very moralistically ambiguously dickish guy. Right. Like if you want to go to a brilliant person. Yeah. And like, and he clearly was, but I I think we've had the discussions about like, you know, what do you do when you're like that person in society and everything around you? Like if you grew up and that was like normal, how much do you push back? You only push back if it doesn't benefit you, right? Mm-hmm. So a guy like an Alexander Hamilton might want to talk out against slavery because he doesn't benefit from it the way a Jefferson does. Mm-hmm. That didn't make Jefferson stupid, right? Um, yeah. But the way these guys operate nowadays, it's like you don't have... Nobody who stormed that capital is writing the next fucking Declaration of Independence. Right? Like... um. They're gonna Trump like, TV you know, is gonna yeah, be 480p like, because he's not gonna hire like people aren't exactly, quality like, people aren't coming to him. Yeah, exactly. Right. Like nobody storming that capital is gonna be able to sit down and be like, you know what, I've got some we have some important things we need to write down, some articles and blah 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 blah, and write essays defending ourselves. You're not, you know, there's no Federalist papers coming out of that crew. Right, like it's just, it is what it is. No, but we'll see. You, I mean, you got it. I, I yeah. mean, as soon as we lose him, and, and I think the stronger part was, it's one thing for him to be voted out, which is fine. It's a whole other thing when, like, all of the, the banks and everyone else say we're not lending you any more money, Donald. 
because then he can't go start his Trump news network because he doesn't have the money. Like he's going to have to start making decisions. Right. And yeah. I think we want to start putting Donald and his family in the decision-making game of, do you want to sell the plaza? Do you want to start selling your properties? Like if you sell the plaza, you'll get a billion dollars. You can start mm -hmm. yourself a new Trump news network. It may be the best business decision he's ever made. Well, it might be the best decision for the world, right? Because yeah. how how fabulous would it be for like the Plaza Hotel to finally fall back into the hands of someone honorable, mm -hmm. right? Like maybe like I'll go stay at the Waldorf, right? Which I think actually is a Trump property now that I think about it. Um, so it's not like you have a lot of options, like when you're when you're in certain areas, or it's he owns things that you don't think he would own when it comes to historic properties worldwide, it would be really nice to put him in a position where he has to sell that shit now. And maybe the douchebag from New York doesn't own some of the best hotels with the most like prestigious history in the world. Um, let somebody else have a shot at that. Fuck man. Even let Paris Hilton have a shot now. Well, he seems reasonable smart to do it before his brand completely plummets. Too. Exactly. Yeah. Cause everyone's pulling, right? Like, PGA is pulling, yeah, um, or has pulled. Miss Universe is never going to happen again. And and I don't want to say deep state conspiracy stuff, but if there ever was one, this would be the one, right? Where like, if you are the the private equity companies of the world, the real estate guys of the world, who had to deal with this idiot for like 30, 40 years, and now is your opportunity where you can be like, oh. We just devalue this guy so much mm -hmm. to the point where that billion dollar fucking hotel he thought he was going to like one day cash out on is only worth like 500 million now because it's his name's attached to it. Yeah. They can pick it up. They can it, like, it doesn't take long, right? Like even the guys downtown in Toronto had the Trump condos. Um, and in like 2017, 18, they like bought his name out of it. Yeah. So that they could just rename it, whatever. And I guarantee you that building's now doing way better. All right. Yeah. Like they're probably selling units in, in the sense of they've opened up them because anybody who was buying it now. Okay. So what I would say is for like in that case of the Toronto condo units, you're going to get more customers who are going to come down and want to buy it with his name off the building than you would have drawn like with his name on it. And that may have changed that, you know, in 2014, that may have been a different story, but after 2016, sure. it changed, right? Like, mm -hmm. yeah, his name yeah. was his brand and now his name is going to potentially ruin him and be clear that that's not a conspiracy. That yes. is a consequence. There's a right. big yeah. difference here and everyone's not working together because they want to destroy him. He's destroyed, so they're working together to get as much space away from him. People don't want to spend their money on the Trump brand anymore, at least not the people that have catered to him, like PGA or whatever. Yeah. And they're making space. Yeah. And I know there's, there's a ton of people out there who would like to apologize for Trump all day long and be like, it's not fair. You know, all he did was ruin the world. But like, you know, all Kevin Spacey did was rape some boys. Like, you're not going to watch his movie, are you? 
Yeah. Right. Like yeah. you're not going to go see Kevin Spacey movies, but yet you're going to like still go to Mar-a-Lago and play golf with this guy for 18 holes. Like, and Donald Trump did that, that too, actually, but just with women. Right. Let's be no, clear. Uh, yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah. that's, that's, uh, we have canceled a lot more people for a lot less. Yeah. But he's done and, that and, but, stuff but too. The people, but the people, <laughs> exactly. Saying. Right. And yeah. it's, and it's the people who apologize for Donald and are like, Oh, like he's not that bad or whatever. Who yeah. have also gone ahead and canceled Weinstein though, right? It's not like they're sitting all on a boat together being like, Cosby's a great hero of mine too. Yeah. They have made choices weirdly that don't reconcile with one another. They hate Cosby, yeah. they hate Spacey, but they love Trump. Like huh? who was um huh? who did I see comment on like the Bible belt being okay with him with adultery, right? Like it's how yeah. do they let him Obama, buy? Obama, the guy, you know, like the family man with the two kids and the one wife and goes to church every fucking Sunday was a devil. Yeah. But the dude with the five divorces and the adultery, like he's fine, right? Like, yeah, like it just doesn't make any sense to me. Are they oh, so? No, it's just because black people can't be Christians in their eyes. Mm. Right? That doesn't make sense. It's... They're the people who see that like accurate portrayal of Jesus and get pissed off, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He didn't exactly. look like that. Oh, I, you've never watched the show Glow, have you, right? Yeah, I've watched Glow. That, okay, so yeah, yeah. Allison yeah. Brie, right? Yeah, yeah. So you remember yeah, in like yeah. season one of Glow when they're like trying to figure out their characters and stuff and it's Betty Gilpin, like Debbie. Debbie's character oh, yes. comes in and she's like, there, there's only three things, blah, blah, blah. She's like, there's nothing more American than apple pie, blah, 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 and Jesus Christ, right? Mm. And it's like, it's because it's to the point where like Jesus Christ wasn't even born in the Middle East for some of these guys, right? Like, mm -hmm. yeah. He was born in Mobile. Uh -huh. He's Mobile? the blonde, like the tall blonde guy, right? Yeah, right? Because then, like, man, I have no problem with um, what I call, like, Christian scientists, right? I mean, they've got their own magazine, and it's actually amazing. Um, like, the idea of, like... Um, you can believe in Christianity, but you'd also have to kind of accept the fact that there's a good chance that Jesus is probably like tanned, like Persian tanned. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Uh huh. Uh, yeah. Because like there, it's just it's a geographical thing. So probably of. didn't have those blue eyes that you want to no, be with. No, probably not. Right. No. Um, and if you're okay with that, then you're fine. You get it, right? Like, I don't know. No one ever paint. Da Vinci didn't paint all that hummus at the last the d last supper on the table, right? <laughs> <laughs> he oh left out the hummus. <laughs> left the hummus. Out. Oh my goodness! Well, I would imagine whitewashing started two thousand years ago, right? Yeah, for sure. Well, it started no, in three hundred and five or something. No, I was well. It was probably like it was probably like forty A.D. Yeah, we talked showed, about it when like we somebody showed Santa. Jesus like his first. Like portrait, like you know. Okay, so like you know when a president leaves and they show them the presidential portrait. Sure. Like holy, oh, oh, holy hell! Here, Jesus, you've you've made quite the impact on life, <laughs> civilization. Yeah. Just just want to show you this picture we've kind of got up for you, and they put it up, and he looks at it, and he goes, and he's like a self-hating Jew, and he oh, looks maybe. at it, yeah, and he's like, don't you think the skin looks a little dark? <laughs> I bet you he did it to himself. Oh, you think so? Yeah, like, like Reggie um, Jackson and Michael Jackson. I, I wonder, was it? like... Was it Reggie Jackson? Who was the New York Yankee who, like... It was Reggie Jackson, right? Yeah, Reggie yeah, Jackson. Michael Jackson, huh? Okay. Jesus Jackson. 
what's the deal with the names? Okay, why? Okay, so Jesus, I thought, is a Spanish origin name. Jesus? Yeah. Right, yeah. is it? And then uh, why not, are all the not, other no, dudes named not. like John and Richard and David and stuff? Like, but they're not right because no, like, they're not. <laughs> but right, like it's, why it, is that? It depends like, on who wrote the book and because like even, my favorite one is like Jesus is cool and all, right? Cool, he's wicked. He's been around for millennia. Welcome to our podcast on Jesus. <laughs> uh, this is uh, the Jesus Talks <laughs> podcast with with John and G. Man. <laughs> Um, anyways, <laughs> uh, anyway, it does right? make sense though, right? It does make if you've sense. thought about my name, John Paul Thomas, I'm like, I'm like all over, I'm two prophets and a, uh, oh no, I'm a prophet and two disciples. How do you feel about that? I mean, I feel like I'm living up to that legacy for sure. Are you? <laughs> that would feel like a huge burden to me if I was named after anything religious. I'm sharing gossip weekly with everybody listening right now. Okay. The your gospel is gossipsful. Gossips, yeah. Gospel. 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 Gossip. Your gospel. I think I I guarantee the word gossip comes from gospel. Oh. Gosh, I'm not touching that one. Well, you don't think so? Um, I just feel like... Bear with me the gospel. Let's no, talk goss. Let's get into it. Give me some gossip. I just feel like gossip <clears throat> implies like made-up things that are bad about other people. Now? And then gospel is, you know, tales usually about other people and what they've done wrong. So, huh. <laughs> hey, wait. Yeah. For sure, I'm right. Bang on for sure, right on that one. <laughs> Shit. What's yeah. a hymn? What's a hymn? So, so I um, <clears throat> I watched WandaVision. Hey, what did you think? Uh, I liked it quite a lot. I thought it was a lot of fun. My and only problem with it is that it's so short. Get to watch this week. Twenty six um, minutes. Yeah. So I was a little sad that it's not longer. Like, um, yeah. I guess it's how many episodes? Ten. Eight or ten, so it's like the length of Endgame. It's going to be about like a four, four and a half hour long show, I guess. Which I would think is probably it's probably pitched in the idea of like write me a movie where none of the scenes get deleted, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Yeah, and then like we'll just make that the show. Um, yeah, I really liked it. I was I expecting good job. more length, I guess. Yeah. Me too. Um, I but I'm, I'm also not surprised by it because it's just the way Disney operates, man. It's like yeah. some of the some of their stuff just comes in so short, doesn't make any sense. This what one came in shorter it? than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Um, Are all of them MCU uh, shows going to be that length now? Is that like the precedent? Or are, we, are they all going to be 26 minutes? I hope not, because I don't think a Falcon and a Winter Soldier works in a 2022. 20, I can understand a WandaVision because you're doing like a sitcom rip. Mm-hmm. But when you're doing like Falcon and Winter Soldier. Like a 24. I'm expecting like a 44 minute mm-hmm. episode. Sorry, like the show right. 24. Yeah, like, yeah. You want yeah. that kind of length. Yeah, I want something that falls in that. It doesn't need to be an hour. It doesn't, like, I know we've talked about the boys and how sometimes that feels like it drags when it's like 
an hour and two minutes for a whole thing without commercials. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm okay with like a 45 minute long show, something that falls below that hour long. Um, but gives you a bit more than that 30 minutes. Like even I feel like WandaVision was even maybe five, 10 minutes shorter than it needed to be. Mm-hmm. Then again, I don't know where the story is going. So I don't know if it's one of those things where you see 20 minute, 20 minute, 40 minute, 40 minute, 20 minute, 30 minute, or if it's all just 20 minute, right? Like, yeah. I wonder that I too. Tell. Like maybe as they change through the decades, the, sh- the length will change too. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I give them credit, like the actors and everything for pulling off those live tapings of those shows because acting isn't like that anymore. Right. Like, especially like a, an Elizabeth Olsen, I would think maybe didn't do, I feel like Paul Bettany probably comes from theater. I don't yeah, know if she yeah. does. No, so, but she comes from pedigree, right? Well, uh, yeah, so, I guess. So for like her, her it sisters. was probably like just remembering what it was like to be on set mm-hmm. when she was like the four-year-old visiting her eight-year-old sisters or whatever, right? <laughs> um, but uh, maybe, you know, that's a very different style um, of acting because now like you use subtle mo- movements because you can have a zoom in like an ultra close shot and like you don't have to act the same way, like that big style theater acting or show acting. So I thought they did a good job of like carrying that and performing, you know, like the MCU movies are cut probably like crazy in different shots mm-hmm. and things that they could yeah. do. <clears throat> I like the, I like the change of pace. It's something different. Yeah. Um, Felt really fresh. Yeah. Really good way to huh. like hit through different types of television without committing. And oddly like, what enough, kind of a show it, yeah. is it? Yeah, it's whatever yeah. kind of show we want each week. Exactly. And I think it's, you get lucky because you have a Paul Bettany, I think, and an Elizabeth Olsen that can pull it off. Hmm. You maybe don't do that if that's not who you had casted, right? Uh-huh. I think it's one of those, the MCU gets really lucky and sometimes they make a misstep and you kind of just, Edward who? Norton? Where? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but I think in some cases what they really like to do is when they find a way to be like, oh, like we didn't expect that, mm-hmm. they double down on it, right? And people really did like Vision, right? Because surprisingly, yeah. And I, well, I think as for me, it was more. I knew Paul Bettany the actor. Yeah, me too. I knew the voice behind Jarvis, and I was like, oh, I love Paul Bettany. It's too bad he's not on screen. Well, you and I might have right. said that, but there's a lot of people who like didn't care about Paul Bettany when he got cast as Jarvis. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but on some level, like you kind of had to hope, right? Like, hey, if they go down this road of where they're eventually going to get to, do we get to see something cool with Paul Bettany? And we did, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's... What's what the most important thing about Paul Bettany and the MCU is all of these people who are now signing up for MCU movies who who before were like, no, we don't want to, we don't want to. As much as people look at Chris Evans or they look at Chris Hemsworth or Robert Downey Jr. and they're like, oh, Marvel can make us stars. No, because most of you guys are coming in as stars. Can we talk about Chris Evans in a minute? Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, but I think, but I think what, what Paul Bettany was able to show the rest of Hollywood and the Oscar Isaacs of the world, right? Like that 
tier of actor was you can sign on and in due time in due time you you get your due right like you might just do voiceover work for a couple of years and before you know it you're in some of the biggest blockbusters ever and then before you know it you've got your own show right um i feel like paul bettany when you think of like where this guy was with the mcu from a voice actor to an on-screen actor to now you're going to be the first marvel show on disney plus crazy right like it's a trust factor that's happened between the actor and marvel right where i'll, I'll do my part you guys just let me know and they're like, we love you, Paul. Like, I know it seems like we're not using you properly with just your voice, blah, 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 but we have something in mind. And, and I think the fact that they, they followed through on that promise to him makes it a lot easier for when they sit down in a room with like an Ethan Hawk and be like, this is what we want to do. Well, you can I buy into it now, right? Marvel put their faith in a lot of actors at the beginning <clears throat> that a lot of people like, no one, like even Robert, like everyone knows the story about RDJ and how no one was going to cast him, but no one was casting Paul Bettany anymore either. And really, like no one really has since. Um, well, I mean, once you're cast in Marvel, you're busy. Yeah. But, but, the, but you nailed it with the genius of Marvel being. They balanced the idea that there was a lot of people at the beginning who were like, no, I'm not doing this. Like a Tom Cruise who was like, no, a John Krasinski who's like, no. And then they're like, fine, we're going to go find the people who can do it right. You'll be back. Yeah. Right? Like, and Chris Evans was already in Marvel movies. Like, he met Stan Lee. He had Stan Lee cameo films, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, so they, they saw him again. Now, who did Scarlett introduce him to the MCU? Is that what happened? Like, did she introduce them to the, like Kevin Feige or something? Because they've been like, they were childhood friends. Was she cast? Was Iron Man two cast before the winter, or the first Avenger came out? Or I don't know. Roughly around the same time, but John Favreau was mostly involved with um, the first Avenger two. No, no, the Iron Man and Iron Man two. Right, right, that I knew. Yeah, because um, because that's they, when like, the battle was beginning behind the scenes of Ed, Edward Norton wanted to kind of take over the entire thing. Yes, he rewrote a lot of his Hulk movie. That was one of the reasons why he didn't continue. He might have been good as the character in their eye. Maybe they had an interesting plan for him, but you got to play along because they have a bigger plan laid out. Well, so if you look at it from his perspective, yeah, I I will let Edward's ego get into the way. I get it. Hulk movie. Not only that, he, he looked at it as like, okay, you're taking a gamble with Robert Downey Jr. I'm a surefire bet. Right. Right. Like I'm Edward fucking Norton. Still. Like, <laughs> right. Like at that, well, at that point in time, he yeah, was Edward yeah. Norton, right? Like, yeah. Um, so I feel like he, he kind of came in with the idea of Robert Downey Jr. is going to play second fiddle to me. And I don't know if Marvel was looking at it that way. Whereas Marvel looked at it as Robert Downey Jr. is our guy. Um, but we don't, we also don't want Robert Downey Jr. to make the other guys feel like they're not part of the team, right? So Edward Norton's like, I'm the man, Robert Downey Jr. is number two. And Robert Downey Jr. has got the humbleness to be like, I am the man, 
but I can't do it without all of the Chris's and the Marks and the Don. Like, you know what I mean? Like he had enough sense to be able to be like all of these guys. Yeah. Who's fuck? What's uh right. God. What's the guy's name? The original uh, war machine. Uh, oh, Terrence Howard. Terrence Howard. He right? thought he was the man. He thought he was bigger than RDJ. Right. Yeah. And they're like, Oh, okay. You, th- you think you're better? Well, we'll just put Don Cheadle in. He'll happily take this role yeah. and work uh, under Robert Downey Jr. And no and, one will and, give a shit about you, Terrence. And Howard. I think that was Marvel. That was a shrewdness on Marvel's part. I bet you John Favreau had gone back and been like, "Listen, we can get Terrence Howard to do this. We just have to give him another 500k." And Marvel's like, mm, "No, we're not setting that precedent." Yeah, like we're definitely not doing it with Iron Man two, the second yeah. movie or third movie out the gate where we're going to say that the actors are running this show. You're not. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think from there on out, it became actors were getting six, seven, eight year or eight film deals and they had to either take it or go. And, and I can't s- picture. Some of them made good moves and some of them didn't, right? Like, can you imagine Don Cheadle now without, or like War Machine without Don Cheadle now? Like he's, he's roadie to me now. Yeah. Yeah. But that's like, longevity. Like I could, Terrence Howard could have done it too. But he would have had to have known where he was. Like I don't the, feel like I'm missing order. Terrence Howard. Yeah. Oh no, definitely like, not. I, I'm not missing his version of the character. It wasn't a downgrade, no. right? That's that's the thing. It's not like you went from. I mean, the benefit Denzel was you to like. Yeah, you went from Oscar winner Arlen to Oscar Wayans. winner. Right? Yeah. yeah, exactly. You went from Oscar to. You went from the guy in Crash to the guy in Hotel Rwanda, right? Like sure. it wasn't a big. It wasn't yeah. a big leap down. You're, you're, you nailed that part. Right? Yeah. Can you imagine? <laughs> That'd be the worst, hey? American Gangster 2. American with Marlon Wayans. <laughs> Marlon Wayans. Who would be the broke down Russell Wilson in that? Training or, uh, Day Russell, 2. Game what's his name? Day. Russell Crowe. Yeah. Russell Crowe. Um, Who would be the broke down Russell Crowe? Yeah. The current Russell Crowe. <laughs> oh, that's mean. <laughs> well. <laughs> that's mean to the current Russell Crowe. What's he going to do about it? He's not going to chase you. We know that much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Get his fat ass over here from Australia. <laughs> I'm not making enemies with Russell Crowe. No, either. Whatever. I'm a fat guy. I'm allowed to say it. God. <laughs> Kevin Bacon. Marlon Wayans. No, Marlon Wayans and Kevin Bacon. Oh, that's <laughs> like... Oh, that's who you want? Oh, American Kevin Gangster Bacon. 2. Kevin Bacon's way, way buff still. Like, he's no way. Oh, but he's like a fucking horrible actor who's just gone by with the fact that he's like connected to people by six degrees or less. <laughs> yeah. Every, yeah. That's how he's right? worked with everybody. That's the, and no, but if you, okay, think about it. If you're Kevin Bacon's agent and you know Kevin Bacon's like not that good and he's probably not going to have a huge career, he's got his moments. But do you not start the rumor of like, or start the game so that all of a sudden every casting director in Hollywood is like, oh, we should get Kevin Bacon in here just for the game. Right. You think that it was, yeah, you think it's a fraud. I think think that guy got 15 years of casting calls just so that people could be like, we all, we got to keep the connections going. Sure. Sure. Right. I think that the truth. Are you telling me Tremors was a good movie and that he was the one who deserved it? Like. I think the truth of that game is that like everybody's like those six degrees or less. No, but not every like there's like, not that people, many producers. People, people try it, right? Like with other actors. 
and it doesn't always go everywhere, but Kevin Bacon for some reason does. Um, so today we're going to talk about the best music that's ever been in film or music that has made the film better music. That's better because of the film and like the most impactful music. Uh, I think we're going to stick to, or films that uh, are better because of the music films that are better. I think what we're sticking to is kind of like popular music. I don't want to say pop hundred percent like pop music, but we're not talking about scores, I don't think, are we? Like, no, I don't because have those scores is a bit much, right? Because, yeah. like, I mean, okay, we could do that for days, right? Like, John yeah. Williams could get like five podcasts alone on like what the work he's done with like Indiana Jones and Star Wars and Godfather and all that stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, scores is too much, but I think the idea of like songs, songs are always interesting to me because, especially, like, the two ways they cut right in a movie is it's either a song you've heard before and you're seeing it in a movie and now you're feeling it in a different way yeah or it's always that song you've never heard before and it's just you're hearing it in this movie for the first time and it hits you in a different way right um that's before. that's kind of the impact of it right like how many cuz i got my take on sort of like original songs Mm-hmm. And some of them are like fantastic songs on their own. Yeah, sure, of course. But some of them are songs that are very average, but yeah. become legendary because of where they were and where I they think, were placed. I think I'm ex- I'm excited definitely to hear all of that. Right, I want to tell you a story first. Yeah, um, that's related to this topic, but hang out for a second for us to get really into it. Um, I like Billie Eilish. Uh, I, I, I think she's a good musician. I like the songs and the production that her brother and her do. Um, I wasn't, I'm not crazy keen on that, like voicey low whispery tone at first, but I've warmed up to it with her voice at least. Um, wasn't at first something that I loved because I feel like it's all, it's only made because of production, but I, I hear it a little differently in her voice. Anyway, um, I started liking I, the first song I heard. Okay, obviously, I'm almost a 40 year old male, so she wasn't like, I wasn't the first to find her. I'm not going to try to take that claim. <laughs> I caught on, I caught on with the, the rest of the mainstream public with Bad Guy, but I heard it. This is what we're talking about today, guys. Like, I heard it at the end of the movie Brightburn. Have you heard of that movie? Brightburn? No. Mm. Brightburn is a movie that you need to watch. I know I say this all the time. But let me give you the premise of this, okay? Because this is, this is the most John Brown movie ever. Okay. What if a young boy land, crash-landed on Earth from a different planet... Our yellow sun made him strong, but he didn't have Marsha and John Kent. He had a not as good of upbringing, and he turned bad instead of good. What would that Superman be? I know there is one. There's a comic, like it's Under the Red Sun, or, um, which is like Superman landing in Russia as opposed to the U.S. Um, in Russians. It's true, but uh, this one, he lands in Brightburn, Kentucky, 
Uh, he's raised by... Oh, that's practically Russia. Yeah. <laughs> he's raised by two people who love him, but they don't... He finds out that they're lying to him, and it doesn't go... Like, he doesn't take it okay. Like, And then he has some issues, and like... He's... But he's also got all the same powers as Superman. That kid would be indestructible and unstoppable. So, depending on how he's raised. So, that's what Brightburn is. That's kind of the quick premise of it. Yeah. Uh, it um, is... Super cool. I don't know if you'll love it or not. Like maybe you'll have issues with it, but the idea behind it surprisingly hasn't been done yet. Like it took till 2018 or something to do that. And um kind of like Dexter meets Clark Kent. A little bit like Dexter meets Clark right? Kent. Like if Dexter's and, dad um, was like Jarrell. No, what's his name? Who's like, Dexter's who's, uh, dad? No, Kevin Costner. Who's Kevin Costner? Uh, uh, John, John Kent. John Kent, yeah. So if Dexter's dad was John Kent, mm-hmm. that's fair. Yeah. Um, well, except he wasn't coached to be bad. He, oh. um, he, he his broke his bad. ship that he crash lands talks. Anyway, it's a little bit deeper, but his ship that he crash lands on um, is met, like communicating with him, and he understands it to say, "Take the world." So. Um, very lyrical. Yeah. So he like sort of like starts panicking like at a certain age and like getting this message and like he starts translating it to take the world. And uh anyway, um at the end of it, yeah. there's a montage because like he does some fucked up shit, okay? Like he uh <laughs> um he ends up at the very end of the movie. He's sitting by himself. I'm not going to give away what happens, but he's sitting by himself um, free to be the evil evil person he wants to be. And um, he gets away with whatever. So they're like set up for sequels, which would be cool for me. And then there's this like news montage of like crazy shit happening. Like a man who lives underwater who's like, like blowing up boats and like, so it's like, the Justice League, but they're all bad. Like there's a fucked up Aquaman and stuff, and there's like okay. a montage of like um, this flying figure demolishes a high school, a hospital or whatever, and it's like the Brightburn kid like flying through a hospital and like destroying and like, doing all this fucked up shit. And um, over top of that is the Bridge of Bad Guy. Bridge of Bad Guy. Yeah, by Billy. So it's uh, like kind yeah. of a darker part of the song. It's not that like trendy poppy part. It's like dark and distorted. And um, I was like, oh, this is so cool. Like, the setting is so cool. And then the song kicks in after, like, when credits roll. And I'm like, oh, this song's kind of good. I'm liking this song now. And that movie, because I watched it, like, two or three times um, when it first came out, um, got me into that song and, like, opened my eyes to that artist, which is kind of, I think, a little bit of what we're going to talk about today in a way, right? Yeah. I That's mean, an experience that I had recently like that. And you, but you knew of Billie Eilish before. I knew what, I knew that she was a person that made music, but I wasn't like giving her enough of my attention to understand it or dig it. Ah, gotcha. Like I was okay. like, oh, that's cool, Carla, that you like her. Okay. Not me. She sings too quiet. Like that was sort of my quick mm. response. And okay. then I got into that song and I'm like, oh, but it works in a really cool way. So, okay. Yeah. So I don't know if that's, I'm not giving Billy credit on that. It's the, but I will give, the combination, right? No, no, it's 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 that 
it's not the sound engineer, but it's whoever's job it is to look deep into catalogs, right? Mm-hmm. I don't think Billie Eilish is the type the person. And this movie came out last year, so right, so two years ago, because it was a low yeah, budget so movie, then, and they could afford Bad Guy, which they couldn't. I bet you they couldn't afford that song now. That exactly right. So that's what I'm kind of thinking is like where the idea is. You can might have been her first movie. Might have been the first thing that uh, that song was in. Or, or she's at a point where like they're they're gonna license that out to anybody who wants it before it becomes big, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that that's the genius of some of those indie movies and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, because it's going to cut two ways, right? You're either going to learn um, about existing artists that you've never really given time to, or you find someone brand new to you, right? So, like, in your case, you knew kind of who Billie Eilish was, right? Yeah, but her music was un- brand new enough to me. That song, yeah. I didn't know it was even hers. Like, I just was into whatever was happening in these scenes yeah. and listening to it. Because she clearly, obviously, like, went into the stratosphere after yeah. that um, yeah yeah that's uh, so an interesting one i do want you to watch it i know you who knows if you will or not i think it's on i might watch it just for that little scene i might look for that part just to see where the, the music very end <laughs> it's the very end i'll just skip to that my friend you should watch brightburn it's cool i might a unique story i think anyways how's how's the rest of the soundtrack i haven't listened to it at all i haven't even tried so if there's nothing else i caught you then i'm gonna say no that you don't want to watch the movie because I don't care about the rest of the song. Not, not for one song. <laughs> no, I mean, you should watch the movie for the movie. I don't know if I always watch movies for the movie anymore. You know what I mean? Especially when it comes to how much is involved. Um, generally, the dialogue's the first one to get me, right? If you've got shitty dialogue, I'm not watching. Um, I can let poor acting go. As long as the cinematography is there and everything else works. Um, but the music to me is make or break. I've turned off movies because it just doesn't make sense. Um, yeah, I've had moments where, like, I know I've turned to people and I'll be like, what the fuck? Why did they use that song during that cut? And one of the most egregious examples actually is in Hangover. Um, Hangover's actually got horrible use of music. Hmm. Can't recall any of it. I guess that's why. That's part of it. Now, on some levels, it's good. Some levels, it's bad. It works in certain parts. When so, what I if you go back and and nobody's gonna go back now, but if you go watch Hangover one, two, or three, whenever it's on on like a Sunday or something, you're flipping yeah. through the channels and you just happen to have it there while you're waiting for something else. If you're like literally that bored that you'd watch, yeah, yeah, like the you just over again, you you forgot to move the channel from Showcase to Bravo or whatever, yeah. and it's on. You ripped um, the toenail off of your baby toe, and you can't get up from the couch, and the Hangover's on, so you decide to watch it. <laughs> like, run through it, like in between your Galifianakis and Bradley Cooper laughs. Yeah. Just you're, you're going to notice that there's there's two very key different people who get hired on a film set. Someone whose job it is to look for background music, and then someone whose look job it is to look for music in scene. Right. So an example is in scene would be Bradley Cooper's reaching for the radio in the car, turns the radio on, and a song turns on. Mm-hmm. In scene music, right? Whereas background or whatever music would be 
um, cars on the highway, you know, cut scene, you see the car driving away on the highway before they cut to the hotel room or something. And there's a song playing in the background to cut that scene. I like um, when movies right. incorporate that and then you zoom into the, 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 uh, deck yeah. in the car and they turn it down and the, the song goes down. I like that right. kind of yeah. break the fourth wall a little bit things. That that's, that's the, uh, like the essential use and like how you're going to drive a story forward with it properly. Um, but what I'm saying with the hangover is when you watch it, you're going to realize that there's two different people working behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. So anything in scene is amazing. Anything that's just background is some of the worst cuts I've ever heard in my life on like, film it's um in scene makes perfect sense somebody went into the deep cuts you could sense that they like were like they took a look at the character and was like you know i don't think that character would listen to this kind of band it would probably look at listen to this whereas the background like the other stuff is always going to be top 40 shit right Mm. and generally you know you're watching a pretty shitty movie you know you're watching a shitty movie as soon as you hear something that's top 40 being used as background scene play, right? So, and I'm not talking like, um, you know, uh, girls getting ready to go out for a, a night on the town and one of them like plays a song on the iPhone or something in the scene. That song is allowed to be top 40 because it makes sense. Mm-hmm. I'm talking when it's like the montage. Right. Like the opening scene is a car driving over the over the Golden Gate Bridge, and it's like uh, it's um, do do do. What's that song by um, Third yeah. Eye Blind or whatever? Well, Semi Charmed okay. so, Life yeah, or whatever yeah, for no reason. At least at least now that would sound ironic. <laughs> yeah, but right? like at least that, now that's your... at, now that would be funny. But at the time when that song came out, this is your argument, right? Yeah, yeah. right. So so my argument would be like, look at right now, whatever's on the top forty. Um, I'm sure it's something Travis Scott or whatever, but if like they use that right now, that's when you know you're just watching a fucking pre-cut movie where like not even the sound team had enough heart to put something into it. Get it? They're just like, just, just look for the most fucking common shit, something that we can throw in the trailer, everybody can bop their fucking head to and come to the movie with, right? I've been thinking about a movie since we've been talking about this. Uh, that is one of the most, so this does exactly what you're saying executed perfectly where every song makes sense i i know you like it baby driver by Edgar Wright. exactly that's that's the that's the movie that takes all of those hits that you're talking about and plays into it perfectly like that song is that movie's almost built on the soundtrack right right and and nothing on that soundtrack is what you would you would say is out of place for character for moment um what what's they may have had like a hit or two because I have one. Yeah, there's a lot of good things about that movie. Um, specifically, if you listen to the sound editing on it, mm-hmm. from like a left to right balance perspective, if you've got the right surround system at home, yeah. the music travels with the car. Oh, cool. I'm, I haven't uh, right? had that loud enough or watched it at home enough. So yeah. I got to put that on. Yeah, so that's one of those things where, where not only I'm finding the right songs, they took the time to, to sound edit it down to a point where... Part of the movie. It's totally... Exactly, exactly. It's a character. It's a character yeah. in the movie. The song that really got me in that movie, like the scene and the song that, that get me the most in that is Deborah. 
Mm, yeah. Okay. There's lots of good ones. Yeah. But like when I heard Deborah on that movie, I was like, oh man. And like started listening to Beck again and like listened to that song so much. And in that same vein of movie, right? Because Baby Driver was built at like very much around that kind of sound if you will um but another movie in a similar vein that i don't know if you've seen is drive with um ryan gosling yeah yeah i've seen right? it and driver that, no drive. just drive just drive. It's called drive it's the one where he wears the scorpion jacket exactly it's like it's the Cliff martinez movie it's yeah. it's boring but not right like it it kind of makes sense and for what it is um i think that's oscar isaac in that movie as well. Maybe. Um, yeah, I know Carrie Mulligan and Oscar Isaac. Um, Oscar Isaac is like the, 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 the deadbeat dad across the hall. Or whatever, oh, okay. Right? Um, would have come out before I knew who Oscar Isaac was. Yeah, this was 2010, 2011. So yeah. it's been like 10 years, right? So it would have been, so if I went back and watched it, I'd be yeah, like, oh, yeah. yeah, 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 exactly. Um, but it was another one of those ones where, that one was driven mostly by the music. Um, and it wasn't score as much as it was the director had brought on two guys to do like original okay. songs. Like I was like, um, essentially he worked with a guys called chromatics and a, a couple of others to create like this eighties synth techno pop sound for the movie. Yeah that like just existed for that. And it was one of those first ones where you kind of like, cause I can understand where you're saying bored or boring movie because there was long exposition shots of like yeah. 45 seconds to a minute and a half where all you see is this guy's hand on the steering wheel. It's slow, man. It moves right? slow. And, and for that though is where they had to bring in that kind of music to move the pace of the story along to, to keep you realizing that, yeah, it's it's methodical, it's slow for a reason, even though, like, because Baby Driver is the exact opposite of it, where where Baby Driver is those fast cuts, fast cuts. Look at me, like, it, it's kind of like Fast and Furious, to be honest, um, with its scenes of car chases and stuff, whereas Drive is an entirely different flow where it's more... Um, open road highway slow right like you're not on the car chase scene but you're in the car right so it's one of those things where like the music made a huge impact in the movie itself um and then baby driver the soundtrack made like a huge impact on the scenes and sort of the intensity of the scene um because like that guardians can be a huge galaxy one, right? guardians yeah. of the galaxy guardians, like yeah guardians a has a great bit soundtrack yeah. right and it moves the movie along a little bit like baby driver right yeah yeah like the songs are so um iconic and they're so um crucial to learning who peter quill is right and basically so all he learns about humanity is through yeah. those movies yeah yeah and, and that's a good songs. example of sort of um when a soundtrack moves the movie along right like, like baby driver and like guardians yeah, yeah. Or and then and then so the flip side of that is when you have movies that not not to say they stop on a dime, but there's that certain point 
in a movie where like there's a song that comes or something hits and it and and for that moment in time in the movie right like let's say this two and a half hour two long two hour long movie feels like a lifetime to you that song part is the part where it all just slows down and stops yeah and you could relive it and you can relive it over and over and there's there are those moments right like um that's my favorite actually so this is my favorite topic because that's kind of my favorite thing that you're about to say that's perfect yeah because there there are there are those stop like those scene stopping moments right um Mm. and they can be original songs or they can just be the best use of an like a song that exists right um there's something special that happens there where it's like and i'm gonna drop one yeah uh I don't want to really sit down and watch all of the Kingsmen again. But I kind of want to watch the scene in the church where he like something sets him off and he like does that crazy fight scene, uh, which is amplified by the solo guitar solo in Freebird. It's that heavy, like fast part. It's so iconic that family guy did a parody of it where um, Chris and Meg get into a school fight and that solo for Freebird and they just murder their co- like their colleagues at school like you know like um, they just go crazy on these kids but it's like a mimic of a, or a parody of that scene in the Kingsman and I could get my whole fill of the movie just by reliving that scene and being like yes this is the best part of the movie this is what I want to think of the movie as there's those moments eh yeah and- and yeah, that's harder to pull off. Yeah. Right? What, what you're saying there is a little bit, I think, harder to pull off than just the idea of here's a song for a movie, right? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I got a few of those. I got a few of those. One, one of the ones that like stuck out for me was always, um, I guess, we're talking like actors before we knew who the hell they were. When I watched Layer Cake back in 2004, yeah, right, like not a lot of people knew who I think Daniel Craig was at the time. And to be honest, breakout for us, it was a breakout movie for him, yeah, for sure. And I only watched it because I was a Guy Ritchie nerd, right? So to me, I was like, oh, Lockstock, Snatch, all these other movies Guy Ritchie has done have been produced by Matthew Vaughn. Matthew Vaughn, yeah. Who also did Kingsman. Right. And Matthew Vaughn went out and directed his first movie with Layer Cake. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, I want to see this. Like, it can't be horrible. And watching it, you started to realize, what does Guy Ritchie do? And what did Matthew Vaughn do? And I realized really quickly. Small scale, big scale. Exactly. And Guy Ritchie was quick cut. Quick cut, quick cut, scene, quick cut, moving from here to there, really stylized, which he bowled into Sherlock, yeah. right? And went from Snatch to Sherlock with that. Matthew Vaughn was the guy who was responsible, though, for when you go back and you watch Snatch, and everybody loves that movie. Oh, Brad Pitt's got an accent, whatever. Jer- Jason Statham's, you know, doing Jason Statham things. Everybody's so Jason funny, Statham. right? Yeah. The good... You go back and watch Snatch, one of the things you're going to realize, the beauty of that movie is the music. Yeah. There, 
like the when the gypsy tunes need to come in, the gypsy tunes come in. When like you need to hear some soft mellow jazz, you hear the soft mellow jazz. The music on it is perfect. Now, something I hadn't seen since Matthew Vaughn and Guy Ritchie started going their separate ways on things. Guy Ritchie will still make a good movie. He'll still make uh, like a, a gentleman or a what was the other one with Gerard Butler and and uh, what's his face um, the Hugh Grant yeah, with the thing I don't know they were supposed to make three oh. of them but the, oh, Rock and Rolla yeah. Rock and Rolla oh, yeah 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 right Rock and Rolla so he can still make those movies but you know what you know why Rock and Rolla and the Gentleman aren't Snatch the music. And Matthew Vaughn took his brilliance with him of like when a song should come in and when it should do things and took it off to do his own work with the Kingsman, which you referenced, right? I forgot all about rock and roll. Oh, it was a good movie too. I remember being excited for it when it came out, mm-hmm. but maybe the music thing, maybe for me, that was a Tom Hardy. That was the Tom Hardy movie. Yeah. Maybe for me, I'm more connected into the music part. Like maybe that's right? what makes some movies stand out to me. Exactly. Right. Because you would have expected it because you lock stock had a great, uh, soundtrack snatch had a good soundtrack. You're expecting it. And then all of a sudden that part of the puzzle goes a different way, which is why when I was watching layer cake for the first time, there's a scene in, in like a coffee house with Duran Duran playing in the background. Right. And it's, um, so, you know, ordinary world, right? Yeah. Like the, yeah. And it's before the, the guitar stops before the drums break in. Yeah. And it was like this perfect slow motion cutscene of a guy picking up the coffee pot, pouring the fucking coffee, just smashing the pot right on his face and beating the crap out of this guy the while ordinary, ordinary world. world is playing. Right. Yeah. You and instantly it, learn that who that character is. And not only that, but you instantly, in my case, are like, I don't think I've listened to enough Duran Duran in my life. <laughs> yeah. Right? Because that happens to me all the time. So this is going to be different for me and you. Immigrant kid. My parents can tell me all about the best Indian musicians that they grew up listening to. Okay. Yeah. They're not necessarily going to be able to be like, hey, Depeche Mode is out there. Duran Duran is out there, right? Mm. That wouldn't have been in their wheelhouse. Movies is where that wheelhouse comes in for me, where it's like you can want, well, now I need to hear Rio, right? Um, And it just becomes, you go into the deep dive of all these artists you've never maybe heard before. Mm -hmm. Because Ordinary World came out in 1993. I'm 12 years old. Oh, did it really? Right? It's older. It's newer than I thought it would be. Right. So it's like I'm only twelve. Out, or not. Man, it came out the same year as In Utero. Yeah. What a what a time in history where we're like that eighty synth pop was dying out in the early nineties still. Yeah. And grunge yeah. was on its way in. And yeah. things go different. And that's why a guy like me would have been listening to the Chili Peppers, Soundgarden all of those things and not have understood what the hell was out there on the other side of the world. And it took until a movie like layer cake for me to be like, wait a second. I want, I want to know more about these guys. Right. And you go back and you figure it out. 
And then you're like, hungry like the wolf. Okay, sweet, right? And they could just come undone. All these save a prayer. Like save a prayer is to me one of the best songs of all time. But I would never even have known it really existed or given it like the time, right? It, it, it's a different thing to be like, hey, that song was in an American Express commercial. But it's a different thing when you go back and you listen to the song that American Express paid for yeah, before they ruined it, right? And then you kind of realize that's what that song was. And and, and that's one of those things. So I know with, with that, that's huge. But that's a perfect example of like existing music, right? Yeah, it does the same thing for you. Uh, Lair Cake does the same thing for you with Duran Duran as Brightburn did to, to Billie Eilish for me, right? Yeah, there you you go. see that band in a different light, you pay attention to the song for a different reason. Like when you listen, heard Ordinary World in real time when you were 12, you couldn't relate to it. And now you see it in the scene in your head where you're relating in a different way. And it's like, yeah. I'm going to listen to other music and understand this band in a different way. It, yeah, it makes a big difference, right? It's so cool. Um, like when I think about uh, Sweet Emotion uh, by Aerosmith, like a very popular song, right? Oh, it has been since like the 80s or whenever it came out. And it, I think about that song differently than every other Aerosmith song because of Days Confused. To me, it's like an in a car. Yeah. yeah, to me, it's like the in the perfect in a car song ever. Uh, like Joel Campbell and I have a connection to that song and we like imagine like putting on racing gloves every time like that song's on and stuff like that. It's always, it's like the best car driving song and I think that's because aren't they like in the car like cruising around when that's playing and dazed and confused? Essentially. I mean, that's that, the that, scene. I right? mean, if you were a classic rock fan, that entire soundtrack is for you. Yeah. Right. Big um, time. And and it's one of those where the movie dictates the soundtrack, right? Because of like the era that it's in, all those kinds of things. Yeah. You know, you occasionally sometimes you watch those movies that have no real uh loyalty to like what time of place that movie's in, and they'll have songs from every decade of every genre, mm. which is fine, right? But generally, those are those movies that aren't that great, right? Because it's just some somebody who just randomly hit a generator in the back and put together a playlist for a movie. Um, but then it's those rare ones where it's like, okay, this is this is sort of the timepiece we're in. Um, and they did that in like, a, what's that other Ryan Gosling movie with the jazz and all that stuff, right? They La did La that. Land? Yeah, right? Like you can... Chicago's kind of got that same thing. Moulin Rouge sure. has kind of got that same thing where you kind of have to like are usually better at that. Right. Where you generally hem it into like what you're looking at. Um hmm. it it takes a lot of like you have to have a director who cares. Yeah. Right. Like Tarantino is a director who cares about his soundtracks. Um and yes. movies play a huge part in a Tarantino movie. Um which uh Tarantino movie do you want to talk about? first <laughs> soundtrack wise yeah like i, th- I mean movie, he music and personally i think his best use of music or what people will probably say is the most iconic would be pulp yeah. fiction okay. um people, i have a different answer but i think my favorite overall soundtrack of his like where he has the best selection of music is reservoir dogs oh okay see 
Yeah. And mine is Kill Bill. It's the Kill Bill movies. Okay. Yeah. You're a big fan of the Kill Bill movies, which makes sense. Oh, yeah. So the, the I even have those work. soundtracks on my phone. Yeah. Yeah. The To me, I think Kill Bill, Tarantino's already made his mark as the guy who knows his music and movies, right? Mm-hmm. So you're you're going in with that expectation. Um, and I think with Pulp Fiction, it was one of those things where he cemented himself as the guy who, who could take songs and just take them to a next level, right? So it's not like in 1994 there was an iTunes chart. But you almost get the sense that when Pulp Fiction came out, if there was an iTunes, there's at least two or three songs on that soundtrack that would have hit the top 10 the next day. What about Jackie Brown? Jackie Brown is super strong too, right? It is, it is. Like the Delphonics? Like Like he introduced how many new people to groups like that? Yeah, but it's it, it's I think it's um less the introduction, more the what his what his kind of skill set is is in saying here's a song that's been out forever, yeah, and has been available to you forever. But now, when you listen to Neil Diamond, you're gonna listen to Neil Diamond in a different way because I, you might have heard "Girl, You'll Be a Woman Soon" before. Yes. But you ain't heard it like this, right? And it's yeah. it's and it was that use of it where people are like, "Oh fuck," right? And, and that's where I'm saying like the next day on iTunes that would have hit the charts, yeah, because people would have been like, "That was something else." Um, you know, Diamond's the best. Son of a preacher man, which is like to me like just one of the most melodic songs, like well written, well composed and arranged. And I would never. It probably would never really have scratched, like, cross my desk without that movie, right? Um, maybe at some point I would have gotten to it, but probably not. And then, like, the actual guitar, like, I don't even remember the song, but you know the one by, like, Urge Over, like, like, the one that starts the fucking movie with, like, the guitar. Like, it's iconic to the point where, like, people sure. know it. Yeah. And and if you were to play the first couple like chords, Bizarloo by Dick Dale is the yeah song. yeah yeah that's yeah. the one I'm thinking about. Um, yeah. You were to play a couple of those, people people aren't going to tell you who the band is. They're not going to tell you. They're going to tell you what the movie was. That's what I'm talking about, right? So when yeah. when we're when we're talking about songs and movies, it's like that point where I couldn't tell you who saw saying it. Couldn't even tell you who wrote it, but I can tell you what movie it was in. Yeah. Right. That's that's that level of song, right? Well, you mentioned something that um you said you listen to um Girl You'll Be a Woman Soon differently now. You know what song you listen to really differently? Stuck in the Middle with You by Steelers Wheel. <laughs> Can you picture yeah. anything other than, uh, <laughs> than getting a fucking ear chop? Than that dance. Yeah, yeah. Which is one of the most iconic scenes, right? Like, and, and so then we're talking scenes and mute movie, right? Yeah, yeah. And and you exactly you put that on that song, which was a song that made people like happy and just like feel great. It's a really feel good song. It's a D feel major, good song. Super bright. But the only thing you can picture now is a guy running around with his little jackknife, right? Um, <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's we so gotta say good. that act 
What's his name? Because he deserves us to say it. Uh, 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 Michael. Michael Madsen. Michael Madsen. And Michael Madsen is amazing in that. Michael Madsen is great in all of the Tarantino films. Um, but like that's that's a perfect example of sort of songs in the movies that kind of made me go, damn, right? Um, now, that's... I, I, okay, so that's... I don't want to say it's easy to do, because it's not. We just kind of talked about how hard it is to kind of make sure that that's done right in a movie or a show or whatever, right? Um, what I feel is even harder to do is when you have someone call you up and say, John Brown, I really like the way you play music, and I'm making a movie. And I would really, really yeah. like for you to give me a song. Sure. Um, yeah, I mean, like, it's... I. What do you... I think it's harder on an artist in that case. I feel like the stakes are way harder on an Adele when a Martin Campbell calls up and says, hey, it's time to make a James Bond song, right? Yeah. Um, it's Which just Billie a, Eilish did this year, by the way. Right? It's just, her, yeah. it's just a harder thing to do than to be, than to get lucky, like someone, like a Duran Duran, where you just happen to have someone who knows your stuff and knows where your song's going to work. There's a lot of songs that were written specifically for movies. And I think, yeah. I think where, I think where my line is, where I define the, what's the really, really good ones are the ones where you honestly didn't even know that they were written specifically for a movie. Okay. Yeah. Like the right. graduate. Exactly. Right. Um, yeah. Here's to this you, John Robinson. Brown, right? Yeah. Like, that that's a song that you hear on the radio. You just assume, hey, that's just a Paul Simon fucking butte. And do you know what? Call. Um, at some point, somebody probably made a movie, and Mike Nichol probably wanted this song for the Graduate. It it's unfathomable on some level to be able to think that no, it went the other way around. Mm -hmm. That they were asked, hey, like this is the thing. Can you come up with something? And to come up with something that stands. So here, you brought it up. You, you know the song. You brought it up. You brought the movie up first. Yeah. Mrs. Robinson to you, the song. The Graduate, the movie. Yeah. Both legendary. Mm -hmm. But I will argue the song will last longer and will. Already has. And, and right, you mean like. Um, I mean, if The Graduate was on Netflix, I'd tell you to watch it for sure. But in the grand scheme of things, that song's going to outlast that movie for sure. Right? Aston Hoffman got all pissed off that people were <laughs> casting him because he was too short. That's it's a great movie, but at the same time, it's not. Um, oh, of course. Right? Music like, will okay. last for so sure. Because I'm, I'm going to balance that. Mrs. Robinson, the song, Simon and Garfunkel, will outweigh or will be more of an impact in culture and in society than the movie The Graduate, right? On the flip side, you can have a song 
that's written specifically for a movie and it actually be a great song and it be like the number one billboard song mm-hmm. for weeks on weeks on end. But when I say the DeLorean and Doc Emmett Brown, you think back to the future. Not you don't love. exactly think. <laughs> yeah. And and you know we love Huey here, friend of the show. I Huey. love Huey Lewis. That's Huey not Lewis. a lie at all. I no, exactly. Friend of the show. We've talked about him many yeah. times. Um, but we think back to the future, right? So sure. there's a couple on that end, right? So so what would you say are some of your favorite original songs that you've ever heard written specifically for movies? And, and in your eyes, you tell me if you thought it made the movie better or not. You must, you already know one of the guys I'm going to pick has two of the biggest two bangers of the big, okay. in the but 80s. Let's, let's wait on, let's wait on the legend. Let's oh, oh on okay. The legend. Give me something before that, because I want to, I want to end with the legend. How about Simple Minds? Don't, don't you forget hey, about me. There you go. That's one where like you hear that song, you think Breakfast Club. You do. You cannot. Right? You can't. You can't. Uh, separate the two, right? Oh, of course. Um, uh, <laughs> you asked for good songs. Some of these aren't great. Um, some of my list, not all of them are good. You know who did a couple good ones though? Dolly Parton. Okay, uh, um, nine, Dolly was, Parton was nine, nine to, five. to five. Was that okay? So I'm, I, I I wasn't 100 sure. That was an original, eh? For a movie, it was original for the song. Okay, for the movie. Okay, and then obviously she wrote "I Will Always Love You." Uh, which I guess wasn't an original for the bodyguard. Ooh, maybe I'm off on that one. Wasn't an original for the bodyguard. She sang it in another thing, but it's well, sort of well. Whitney with sang it. that one, but I, so I'm gonna. Well, hmm. Dolly Parton sings that one and wrote that one in a in a movie like from the '80s or '70s. But yeah, so that's what I was gonna say. Is like, do you you? Hmm. It's not an original, so it's, so it would be a cover. But I think you've just hit the third category. How about Pusher Man? By, well, third, by Curtis I'm gonna, no, but I, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you third category and give you full marks on that one because I okay. didn't think about that one before. <laughs> yeah. But best cover of a song in a movie because, Oh yeah. Because you're not, you nailed it, man. Like Whitney Houston's version of that. Yeah. Is, is the bodyguard iconic. is yeah. the bodyguard, right? Like that movie happened does not exist without the song. I don't right? need to ever watch that movie. I'll just watch the music video for that song. Yeah. Yeah. And that's all. Um, hmm, I've got like, okay, so I'm going to go through a couple that okay. jumped out in my mind and let's talk about where they exist. Like, um, Eye of the Tiger an original. by Survivor is an original song. And you would never, that, that's the one I was telling. So that's when we started this just now, right? Oh, okay. That you just nailed the perfect example of a for song. Rocky, three. Of a song that's, that's Eye of the Tiger and Survivor is on Miss Robinson level. Yeah. There's there's enough people who will hear that song that may not know it's from Rocky Three. Eye of the Tiger is a great song, by the way. I think you agree, but anyone out there listening who's like, what? Eye of the Tiger? That is an awesome song. I'll fight you about it. <laughs> if somebody doesn't like Eye of the Tiger, but does like Hero... From Nickelback, you got fucking problems. <laughs> Anyways. I the tiger. 
but but yeah, Eye of the Tiger to me is one of the, is in that first first upper echelon of song where I can play it for my kid, and they can probably tell me three, four, five other places they've heard that song other than Rocky Three because about- it's begone becomes so big, right? What about uh, My Heart Will Go On? I mean, I know it's cliche, huge, super huge, cliche, huge. but I mean, wasn't it massive, right? It's the biggest selling soundtrack of all time, apparently. Written um, for Titanic. For Titanic. So we now, can't do this podcast without mentioning it. You know? No, we're going to. Because we're going to mention the fact that I don't think that song made the movie. That's one of the odd ones that stands on its own island where me and you, John, could have written a song for that movie and become Celine. I think any song would have worked. They just needed someone who could sing. And so Barbara Streisand could have come out with a song called My Oceans Are Super Deep. And they could have used it in the movie and we would not be talking about My Heart Goes Will Go On. It's a great song. It's wonderful. Blah blah blah. So you are saying but here it's not perfect. Like it wasn't. Okay. Here's another category. Okay. So what you're saying is, uh, the scene. It's so impactful. Any music would have been iconic. I don't think it. her song. I don't think that song is as important to that movie in that moment as. Even Gangsta's Paradise was to Michelle Pfeiffer's Dangerous Minds. Man, I don't know now. Right? I, I, like, I don't it's, know. It's because a, I know it's a rough take because it's, it's like a it, huge you, meme now, it's a right? Great song, but but that meme could have been any other major act because that movie was just on a scale where. Okay, so so this is where we come back to it. Wait, when let you, me ask when, you this. But when you think of the movie Titanic, when you think of the movie Titanic, we think of Celine, but we think of Celine third or fourth. The first thing we think of is, I'm king of the world. Right? So that's where the movie is better than the song because your, your, your remembrance of it is always king of the world. There was room. There was room on the, on the thing for, for Jack. <laughs> And then number four, five, or six is like Celine. There's a song, lot of right? icons. Paint me like one of your French girls. But yeah, right. <laughs> one of the things that one of the things that you said though, okay, you said yeah. that it has an impact on society or no, culture. I'm, I'm going to give you that. I'll give you that. But it would be is that meme more relevant now with younger people? And will that live on longer? Because it's such a meme <laughs> the than meme. the movie Titanic. Are 15 year olds going to watch Titanic? No. Do they no. know where my heart will goes on comes from? Maybe not even, but Maybe, do they know yeah. the meme? For sure, right? So well, I'll give as you time that. goes on, but I think I, I think, think it might be more iconic than Titanic. I feel like anything else could have been. Like I don't think that that song meant. I really feel like anybody, like Mariah Carey, could have written a song for that movie. Whitney Houston could have written a song for that movie. Barbara could have written a song for that movie. And they all 
would be owning right now the record of the highest selling blah, 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 right like i don't i think the movie was just what it was in the zeitgeist that i like anybody could have be, like celine dion god bless you love you dear canadian to the end we know you're sneezing right now but god bless you um Got a big French nose. But good, lucky. I'm glad. I'm glad it's her. I'm glad it's a Canadian. I'm glad it is Celine and not Mariah because Mariah would have just been so fucking annoying with the number one selling Christmas song and the number one selling movie soundtrack of all time. Okay, here's a question for you, okay? We don't have to go into this very long. Just a yes or no. Do you think Celine Dion is the best singer in the world? No. Yes. That's my answer. <laughs> so we're moving on. Yes, yeah. no. Okay. We're not getting into it, but I mean, oh my God. Um, anyways. I'll, fucking, I'll put Lady Gaga ahead of Celine Dion, man. Uh, okay. <laughs> Stop. Speaking okay, of we're Lady not Gaga. No, we can't get into that because that's Speaking of so Lady offensive Gaga, to me. <laughs> okay. That song, Shallow, is not so bad. So triggered. Oh, is it terrible? It's. I think Shallow is a terrible song. It's about, a sh it's, it's about as deep as the song title. Like, I, I think there's two verses, this, yeah, and yeah. then all they sing is shallow in a non-musical way. Shallows. That is yeah. the last two and a half minutes of the song, plus her going. Aah. So the that reason trash no, garbage. The, re the reason I specifically brought that one up is <laughs> okay. is. We, we like Brad. We're Brad Cooper fans. I'm even a Lady Gaga fan. I'm not wrote, a Star is Born fan, though, and I'll tell you why. Yeah. I'll tell you yeah, why yeah. I'm not a big fan of that one. Yeah. No, three versions of that movie, when, by the way. When mentioned, you hit the magical number, three, <laughs> because when you do a movie and it's about music and it's about specific songs and like all that, one of the few things you don't want to do is repeatedly use the song in the movie. As was the case for Shallow and A Star is Born, where by the last time you hear the song, it's the, fifth, the fucking song. it's the fifth fucking time in the movie. Yeah. Right? So, no. Right? Like, it, it just... If it was so like good, that. you shouldn't like, don't you guys have other music you could have put in? Like, it's just, there, there are some, I get it. But now that now let me contrast this for you. Okay. Against a movie. on musical, right? So, but, but it wasn't, it wasn't a musical though. It was a movie about a musician. Teetering. And teetering. Teetering. I'll give you that. On musical. So I'm going to compare that one. The one that won shallow wins an Oscar. Fine. Yeah. There's another way to do that. And it's to not give me the whole song. You tease it. You show me a little Marshall Mathers sitting on a bus writing out the first verse in the act one. You show me a little act two where he might be Ooh. working on a couple of the words of the verse. Yeah, And yeah. then you give me the act three, lose yourself where I hear Before the whole that, song. You hear like a broke down version of the beat kind of Thank starting you. in his head. Right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So that's where you do it right. Um, yeah. 
lose yourself. Damn, it's as good as I wanted it to be. Yes. Awesome example. That's, that's, that's one of those. So I knew, I, okay, I knew Eight Mile was going to be a good movie that handled the music correctly. Only because I knew when they announced Curtis Hansen as director that he doesn't make a dumb movie. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, rest in peace, Curtis Hansen. But like he had done L.A. Confidential, which had fantastic use of like 1950s, <clears throat> sorry, uh, like underground L.A., like smooth rock rap and all this kind of stuff. Fifties. Um, and then he did wonder boys, which had like an original from Bob Dylan. And then he did a couple other movies. So I knew like when he, when he got the reins for eight mile, that he wasn't going to do like a stupid fucking version of it. Like, and then you've got, yeah, I love this comparison so much because we're talking about like, one of the reasons why Eight Mile works so well is because you have someone who, you have Marshall Mathers writing the lyrics, like one of the strongest writers. Yeah. Like, oh, how many original raps do you need for this? Four hundred and seven? No problem. I'm Marshall Mathers. Whereas, yeah, Bradley Cooper writes six lines, one word, and a right? vocal instrumental part, like because <laughs> he's not a lyricist and he's not so. When I think of like <clears throat> how that movie, like it can have original music throughout the whole thing because you got fucking Eminem writing it, so it's gonna but be o- good. But for Eight Mile, let's be—he only wrote the one song because all the rap battles were improvised, right? No, but like the the when you look at the soundtrack, the soundtrack yeah. had the soundtrack of Eight Mile featured guys like Rakim, Talib yeah. Kweli, like the guys that. Eminem's character would have been listening Inspired to, right? By, yes. Yeah. And then you had one original song on the entire album, which was Lose Yourself. Now, that yeah. was obviously a marketing ploy so that they could sell a shit ton of fucking albums back in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also made sense. Yeah, yeah. It right? Does. Because it, he doesn't have to use those lyrics in his rap battles. And it's also why you win the Oscar, because you you had the one song. Whereas every other rapper who was putting out movies at the time put out full-on albums and usually those albums weren't so good because the movie wasn't so good because the guy didn't i mean like when you watched eight mile you could actually take the time to be like okay eminem's obviously not an actor but he obviously took some time to figure out how to act for this one movie yeah right like he's put the work in for this one movie now if you had typecast exactly now if you had told (laughs) But if you had told him as the director and the producers of the movie, yeah, not only do you need to act in this, we also need you to do like 12 fucking songs. Yeah. He, it wouldn't have gone well. The movie would not have gone well. The, the music might have... been focusing on the music. Right. The music may have turned out okay, but you may not have even had to lose yourself in that. Right? It could have been a middling album. I mean, people have asked Will Smith to make music and act. And it doesn't always go well for him. Can I talk about a song, a movie that, or a song in a movie that does the shallow thing right? Yes, yes. Um, the Lego movie, Everything is Awesome, Friends of the Show, Tegan and Sarah, that song is played throughout the whole movie. So and you well don't done. get sick of it. You don't. You don't. 
Did you watch Lego Movie Part 2? Um, I believe I have, but it sort of is... A... The soundtrack is even better. Is like, it really? It, it, it is so... It's even better. Like it's, it um, it's so crazy that a huge part of the Lego movies has become the music itself. Just kid-friendly tunes that I get like a kick out of, right? Mm. Like, um, yeah, man. Like it, it, it cracked my Spotify year-end oh, because wow. of the kids, right? The kids love that song soundtrack, and I'm like, I love that soundtrack. And um, they did the original, I believe, right? Uh, Tegan and Sarah for the first movie, yeah. and then yeah, in the second Roland. one, and then the second one, they were. Um, the the song was done by, you know, those two girls, the comedian, like the comedian girls. The one's got the ukulele, the other is the blonde yes, girl. Yeah, I do know them, mean, right? Yeah. That that I can't remember their name right now. I don't they know did it. Names. Um, yeah. um, but they did it, and it was really good. And then there's a couple of tracks on there, and one. I remember listening to one, and I looked at Ungid, and I go, like, that's a really good song. And he's like, of course it's a good song. It's on the Lego movie soundtrack. And I'm like, right. no, no, Ungid, you don't understand. Like, that's a really good song, right? And yeah. he's like, yeah, but like, it was just kind of weird to me. Um, there's some gems on that. And like, that's, that's another one where now when they make the third one, I'll go because I know I'm going to be excited to hear what the music's like. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's a, that's a great, great example. What about... Here's not, I don't know where to put this one. I don't know where to put this. Um, (laughs) I'm almost embarrassed to bring it up. I've had the time of my life from the Dirty Dancing soundtrack. It's an original? No. Oh, Oh, I mean, yes, yes, it is. It was made for the movie. Yes. Made for the movie. Yes. It's not, it's original, like, it's not an original as in it wasn't out there before. It was made for the movie. So iconic, though, like that's like, I mean, that's the climax ending, happy ending, everything that the whole movie's been building up to in that scene with that song, right? Huh. Well, that just takes my breath away. Um, (laughs) Where does that fit? Because you can't, there's no way I can listen to that song and not think about thinking about that. I can think of that whole scene. Yeah, no, that's Pantheon then, right? Like that's yeah. that's up there with Mrs. Robinson. Um, yeah, it is. I mean, yeah. I don't yeah. think the song quality is up there with Mrs. No, Robinson. No, but <laughs> that's not. We're not here to judge the quality of the song, <laughs> um, just where it lands. And so, do you do you want to take my argument on that one, where maybe the movie and the scene is just so good? That you may anything have been, could have been there. Anything could have kind of worked. Any in there. duet could have worked. Yeah. Any as long any as that back and yeah. forth. As, as long as it kind of fit into that groove, like I think. I guess maybe not that band was because that song's yeah. not that strong. Exactly. Right. And and no no marks against Celine here, but that's not her best outing on Titanic, right? Like it's not her best. Um, it just happens to be the most popular, right? So we can make that we can make that distinction. Uh, then there's Ray Parker Jr. That, who did the Ghostbusters theme. That's iconic enough, yeah. Who was uh, sued by our boy Huey Lewis? Hey, did you know that? Was that Huey okay. Lewis's song? I want a new or I want a new drug. Um, 
they they said was too similar to Ghostbusters. Huh. Same chord progression, I guess. A and G and D, I, I suppose. Well, isn't that hilarious that I know the Ghostbusters song, but I don't know the other one? Um, I want a new uh, drug. I won't sing it to you on this podcast. No, that's fine. That's okay. He didn't get paid <laughs> from Ghostbusters. He's not getting paid See, from us. When we talked about... <laughs> yeah, he did get paid. Yeah, Ray Parker oh, Jr. toured that song. It's his only hit, and all of the money goes to Huey Lewis. Yeah, he lost. That's not cool. Well, uh, the, the biggest part of... The biggest story about that is that Huey Lewis was originally hired to write the soundtrack for Ghostbusters. And he was in the studio recording. And then he left, I think, because he had to do Power Love. I think he left Ghostbusters for Back to the Future or something, or there was some other reason. And then Ray Parker Jr. steps in and releases Ghostbusters soundtrack. And Huey's like, that's my fucking song. That would work because it was all around the same time period too. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's an interesting Damn. music story. That's that's this is true. I'm not making this up. You, I can oh, confirm yeah. this one. <laughs> <laughs> this one is confirmed. An interesting little tidbit. Uh, I can show it to you musically if you're interested. Whenever, uh, let me know. Let me know if you'd like me to get into the music of it more. At uh, can you confirm that at gmail.com? I mean, everything. Everything we do here, John, we do it for others. Everything, <laughs> everything I do. Great song. I do it for you. Okay. Thank you. Nice. Isn't it? Uh, we, had to, we had to give some Canadian representation out. Great our boy song. Brian Adams. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's I, right. It, it used to be my second favorite love ballad. Oh, and soundtrack too. And soundtrack. It used to be. Now it is number one. Oh, um, because I had to remove my number one because of um, what I would call extraordinary circumstances. Oh, I see. I know where you're going. Okay, I think because I know where you're going. Some of us, just like the movie Space Jam believe we can fly oh that's not where i thought you're going actually um okay uh, but <laughs> oh, okay but but some of us don't fly anymore <laughs> r. Kelly. have you heard that r kelly song that he's there's like a live concert r kelly um plays in like i don't know let's say the philippines or somewhere <laughs> and the it. song is like the song is like Get yourself a passport. Get a backpack. Come to America with Kelly. Have you heard this shit before? No. It sounds hilarious. like one of Aziz's old bits, though. I got it. Do you have your passport? Did you get your shots? Girl, would you like to come back with Rob to America? America. We will link it. Uh, this we will link it uh, on our Instagram uh, because you guys are gonna laugh. Like it's so. <laughs> unless okay. you don't want to be traumatized by R. Kelly, this pervert R. Kelly. <laughs> it's like. 
who hasn't been <laughs> traumatized by R. Kelly ball? at this He's point? He's like, the song is like, no, it's like, it's like, uh, do you have your shots? Do you have your passport? Would you like to come to America? Like, that's where oh it's my like, goodness. it's real bad. It's real bad. Was that not Aziz's bit though? Like the one where he covered, like where he does his R. Kelly and stuff. I feel like that's exact. Uh, I saw it on, uh, I saw it oh through H three. So I never, I never oh learned about it through Aziz. That uh, that does not make me feel happy. Like the Pharrell Williams classic, oh, happy. Jeez, jeez. Look at me, eh? Now Segwaying. we're just now we're just memeing the episode. Like a like a guy on skis, man, just going left and right. Well, I had a couple here. If I can backtrack a little bit to yeah. pre-recorded songs, because yes. I feel like, okay, have you thought about Unchained Melody? Is that Ghost? Ghost. Okay. There's a meme, since we're talking about memes, okay. that's, um, I think, like, do people who are 15 and younger... Um, they know hmm. about that song and pottery. Do they have they seen ghosts? Like, do they know where that scene comes from? And that was probably that was only already a song of yeah. ghosts, right? Like yeah. when you're what? Like I would think most people know. Like, okay, if you're gonna go 15 and under, if those kids are watching Community on Netflix, maybe they've seen like the pottery episode, and maybe they kind of get next. Like, what's that mean? Um, but I think that's where they're at right now. Um, how about I got you, babe, in Groundhog Day? Yeah. Okay. He wakes up to that song, right? Yeah, I'll give you that one. I'll give you that one. I like that one. Um, existing songs is one of those things where it's like, it's hard to know. And like, for me, I still, there are something that I still don't know. Like Iggy Pop and Trainspotting. Mm-hmm. I still don't know if that was... I, I, I don't think it was original. Oh, it wasn't original for train spotting. It was no, not. It was right? like a, no, no, no. He was like, he did a cover of his own song for, the, I think he was ah, like, he redid it for train spotting, but I think it was his song from the seventies when he was super sloppy. That would make more sense. Cause yeah, a lot <laughs> of the soundtrack was from the seventies and like with like, yeah. Okay. Makes sense. But that's uh, one of those ones, right? Yeah. The first time I heard the Pixies. Okay. Was okay. the end of Fight Club? Yep. Oh, and that's iconic to me. That's super iconic to me. That made me learn who the Pixies were because of that song. So yeah, there's there's only so many movies in my history that I can say I enjoyed the movie, but then I also had to like just dive into every single person on that soundtrack. And one of the first ones to do that for me was Garden State. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> really small indie movie, Natalie Portman, Zach Braff, right? Yeah. But these, but the soundtrack was exactly what I was after at the point. At the time. Yeah. It was just small indie rock, like <laughs> yeah. the shins and shit like shins, that. Right? That's what it was. Yeah. And it was just a perfectly well balanced soundtrack at the time. Um, Shit, Frufu was on that. There's a couple of really pretty good artists on that one. It was like the perfect time for indie rock, I guess. Actually, yeah, and and it was so it was so early in indie rock, sort of. 
tenure that the big name on the soundtrack was Coldplay. And even then, the single was Don't Panic, which was like early, early Coldplay, right? Like, um, if not the fucking first album of theirs, right? So, yeah, one another one where I think like if you can go back and kind of find soundtracks, like that's a, a perfectly good one. There's a couple of movies of... that just have that though, right? Like just have that sort of history of like really. Um, Goodwill Hunting is another one that quietly has a good soundtrack, mm-hmm. but for just moments. But what like are there? What about this... Wayne's yeah, World? I was going to talk about. Yeah, yeah. So yeah Wayne's yeah. World has a good, great soundtrack, right? Like some of those things that um, uh, uh, Tia Carrera sings, like. Um, mm-hmm. Ballroom Blitz by uh, what's the band called who plays Sweet? Um, like some of those things. She does like uh, a Jimi Hendrix tune, I think. Um, so some of those like covers in, the, in that soundtrack are pretty cool. But an interesting thing is like, uh, and maybe you already know too, is like Bohemian Rhapsody wasn't a popular song like we think of it today. That movie revitalized Bohemian Rhapsody and introduced generations to Queen, who because Queen had sort of fallen off, right? By that point. Um, oh yeah, you're right. And it, like built and bred new Queen fans from that movie. Like they changed everything for Bohemian Rhapsody, especially with that movie. Like it's such an iconic scene. Um. Great soundtrack, Wayne's Worlds. Both of them. I mean, yeah, there were no, guys. I mean, there's there's a pretty like if those who are interested can kind of look it up right now, like on Queen and the story with Wayne's World and having get the clearances for the song and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was it was something where at first they didn't want to do it, but it wasn't until the movie came out that Queen had so much appreciation for how they were handled in that movie as well right yeah yeah um yeah sometimes it just has to be the right mix of someone who appreciates um the music because yeah like a band like queen in that case they just don't want to be made fun of right like when you hear of like hey we got two guys from saturday night live who are making a movie and they want to use our song yeah i think red flags are going up all over the place when you hear that right Hmm. um but then you just hope for the best and good for them. They got, they got lucky, right? And they got the best out of it. Cause I mean, it's a wild yeah. song to even, it's a pretty crazy song, but if you like, if you heard it without thinking like of like that guy's head popping up to go Galileo, like it's, it's a ridiculous song, but I have those. It's a, it <laughs> when is. I, when I sing along to it, I think of that energy that Wayne, garth and their buddies have in that car and that's maybe one of the reasons why i love it so much is like it reminds me 100 percent. 100 percent. i've got the i've got the best of queen on lp right two freaking lps full of the best of queen and for some reason even when i'm looking at the back of the album like even they kind of wanted to bury bohemian rhapsody and the only reason it made it to this lp is because in some time in the late 90s it became big yeah. and it's wayne's world right like you like, can kind of 
Because before that, it was fat bottom girls and all that shit that you're kind of like, hmm, that one doesn't make sense. I love Queen. I do. But at the same time, I feel like people kind of need to go through the discog, like, yeah. go, go, go back through their catalog a bit. Don't it's Stop not Me all... Now is a better written song. Exactly. exactly. Killer Queen. Right. Um, Save Me. Right. Like, fuck. That's a song. Um, the rest are just kind of good, right? Like it, it is what it is. Um, but that, that I didn't, I wasn't a huge Bohemian Rhapsody, the movie fan either, mostly because of that. Right. Um, they kissed ass. <laughs> yeah. And like, I won't watch, I won't, I'm not going to watch uh rocket man, but good either, soundtracks, right? great soundtracks. Sure. Like straight out of Compton, great yeah. soundtracks. Hard not to when, when like, you mean like the subject, but yeah. But a movie when like the movie is about someone who writes good songs. So, yes, right. So, speaking about that, when the movie is about people who are writing songs, it better be fucking good because you better get their soundtracks, right? Um, which is always difficult when you start making movies about people and you can't get their clearances. Yeah. Uh, which is why it's almost near impossible to make a good Beatles movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and why it's almost, Hendrix, right? It, yeah, or a good Hendrix movie. Yeah. Um, even when you want to get their music, you got to like go through fucking hoops to get it. Um, that I that Nirvana movie that Gus Van Sant yeah. made was terrible, exactly. Um, or at least the soundtrack was because of logistics, right? Or like what you can and can't get, and like that's that's a problem. Now, now what's ended up happening is this is a tangent, but. If you want to see a really good biopic, you want the truth. But if you want to see a really good biopic, you want the real music. And what that means is we're never going to see good biopics anymore. Because yeah. if I'm the estate of Michael Jackson, or if I am the estate of James Brown, or if I am the estate of Prince, I'm not letting you make the movie you want to make. <laughs> About my real life. Yeah. And you're not using my music. So luckily Ray Charles family doesn't give a shit about him. Right. Like it, it <laughs> or, or let's hope that the guys who bought Bob Dylan's catalog don't give a shit about Bob Dylan. Right. There you go. Right. So, so the only other option we have is hopefully all of you guys sell your catalogs away. Have you seen that Dylan movie, the three Dylans with like Kate Blanchett? Have you seen that? No, no, I didn't. Like Hugh, maybe, um, oh, but I know. Uh, what you, I remember. I know what you're talking about. This like young Dylan, middle aged yeah. Dylan, old Dylan, and like yeah. What's this place? Plays one, um, the Joker guy. Oh my God! Oh yeah, Joaquin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 not Joaquin. The other one. Uh, oh, Leto? Heath Ledger. Heath Ledger. Le- Heath Ledger. Okay, jeez. So many Jokers who could have played yeah. Bob Dylan. Jack, like. Jack Nicholson <laughs> plays Bob Dylan in it. <laughs> Oh my God. Cesar Romero yeah, right. uh, does that uh, Bob Dylan imitation. He doesn't oh shave. He refuses God. to shave his mustache at all. But music. <laughs> yeah, we're still talking about music. But sure. music. Um, oh, let me, let me, because you, you had brought up the point and then I was, it was in my head and then I forgot to get onto it. But like you had mentioned the idea of like, it better be good if the movie yeah. is about a musician, right? Yes. Yeah. Just the same. Soundtrack better be fucking amazing if your movie is about music. Yeah, yeah. And I'm going specifically to one of my favorites, and I 
think maybe one of yours. High fidelity. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's up there. Right. Because you can't make a movie about a guy who's got a record collection and owns a record shop and doesn't. It has to have a good soundtrack. I thought we were going to get there. I thought you were going to say Josie and the Pussycats. (laughs) Um, Because that's That's your favorite music. I I actually have you listened to that soundtrack? No, I I remember. I, I saw the movie when it came out. It's a parody, right? That movie is so sure. self-aware. You need yeah. to watch it more than a couple times to get it. But um, I can't remember the name of the boy band, uh, but they do like all of their songs are parodies. Like their first hit that you hear in the movie is Backdoor Lover. Gross. I like that movie, actually, the song, the music from that. I liked the rock and roll stuff that Josie did. The boy band was funny. I'm going to let you have that one. Um, yeah, thanks, fine. man. <laughs> what other movie? What other like? Uh, ooh, where where does um, that Tom Cruise movie fit in? Uh, Which one? Tom Cruise. Um, where, oh my god! You're gonna be like, oh, of course. Uh, Rock of Ages. That was a Tom Cruise movie. Tom Cruise is the star of Rock of Ages. Oh my goodness! I never saw that one. Oh, you didn't? No, I saw the Mark Wahlberg movie. Yeah. With him and Jen <laughs> Aniston. Yeah. What was that the one called? Heavy the metal rock? one where he's a heavy yeah. metal voice like a, singer. Yeah, rock star. That's it. Yeah, that's what it's called. No, no, no. Um, <laughs> rock of Ages. Tom Cruise is the star of Rock of Ages. You need to watch it. Alec Baldwin's in it. Oh, my goodness. Okay. 2012 movie, eh? And that has a k- killer soundtrack, I think. You know what? This is hilarious. So I'm I'm Google Rock of Ages because I need to know when it came out. Yeah. And you know how Google's always got like that box where like the five or six questions, which are the main questions, like people also ask. So the first one on the people also ask is, why did Tom Cruise do Rock of Ages? Listen, <laughs> covers, it's all covers of popular rock songs sang by like Tom Cruise sings Paradise City. So you want to know the answer though? <laughs> Okay, why? Why does he do it? Tom Cruise, speaking to 24 Frames, says his decision to join Rock of Ages came from a combination of his wife's influence and trying to build on his hip-hop work from Top Tropic Thunder. Oh. Quote, I had started dancing because I was inspired by my wife. She kept saying, you've got to do a musical sometime. So this was how I got her off my back. Pour some sugar on me by Tom Cruise? You telling me you don't want to hear... Tom Cruise sing Pour Some Sugar on Me? I might. I might check this out. You gotta watch Rock of Ages. It sounds ridiculous, but I'll I mean, I'll it's a, a musical-driven song. He's like, a, they're like a cover band in a bar, I think, is what, what he is or something. Why do I feel like famous this... Famous L.A. bar. Game, like, this movie was produced by, like, Guitar Hero. <laughs> You're gonna come back next week? Next week, oh, yeah, uh, Gorham's gonna give his review of Rock of Ages. All over it. One of the things that I didn't track this week, though, that was one of the ones that was interesting. And if you're listening at home, feel free to drop us a, one of those tweets on the Twitters or uh, one of them grams on the Insta. Yeah. Uh, and let us know. Send me a oh, gram. Oh, yeah. Send me a gram on Insta. Um, <laughs> that's what everyone says. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's what all the cool kids say. Gram me, guys. Gram me. Of of songs that you've heard over and over and over in movies as well. 
the ones that are overused, overplayed, and need to stop. Because I love Prince, but if I need to hear when doves cry another damn time in a movie, I'm going to be the one crying. That would be so sad. Wouldn't it? Although I'd like to see it in a way. The dark part of me wants to see that happen. We gave Randy Newman no love today, by the way. <laughs> he my has no Ray. friends in us. My favorite no Randy friends. Newman song is Short People. Do you know Short People? Short Randy people. Newman? Yeah. It's in the movie. I'm sure it is. Short got People got... In me. He's like the most successful, not great songwriter. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's nobody who's got more <laughs> successful songs who that aren't good in their catalog oh, than Randy man. Newman. Jeez. You got a friend in me. <laughs> and you that's one of the good ones. In me. Yeah. <laughs> that's one of the better ones, man. Yeah. Fucking Jesus. Check out my Randy Newman cover band. Like you mentioned Aerosmith earlier, but if I have to ever hear I don't want to miss a thing again. I swear. Oh man. Actually, that's a good one to mention from Armageddon. I hated it though. You did like the song was fine and the and like whatever, but it was. There's a certain point when you don't you haven't seen the movie yet, right? Like the movie opened and like weeks have gone by, and you're like, I will get to this movie, I will get to it. But then the single or the song from the movie just starts getting played over and over and over. And you're like, the last thing I want to do is watch this movie and have to fucking live through the song one more time. <laughs> and that's Armageddon for me, right? Like, I've yet to ever see that movie. Something about uh, right. something about um, Steven Tyler, I guess, or I don't so, know. I can just re-listen. Yeah. I, can, I don't get too sick of... It's hard to get sick of Aerosmith for me. Because I don't listen to Aerosmith regularly. Like, I don't have, uh, you know, like Aerosmith in my playlists. So when I do hear it, I'm like, yeah, fucking Aerosmith. So whenever it yeah, comes on. Yeah, but then if you hear it on the radio nonstop for like weeks on end. Yeah, it can turn you off. A bit. Then then you're like, I don't want to see this movie. And yeah. Because it wasn't just Armageddon that that, like I have, I've never watched Moulin Rouge because I do not want to fucking hear Lady Marmalade. Oh, yeah. Okay. Because so I heard I Lady Marmalade yeah. 20 times a day for six months straight. Right? Like it's, I'm good. <laughs> that's funny that's an interesting uh interesting seg- like a uh, category to this whole thing here which i, I think know what which, everyone else's favorites are too yeah i was gonna say, <laughs> um what have i left off your because because there's so many i think I, I like we obviously know it's harder to write the original song and it's but it's it's not easy to pick the right song too, right? Like, um, you ever, you ever watch reality bites? Like reality bites is one of my like, top 10 movies of all time. Ben Stiller. Yeah. Ben Stiller, Janine Garofalo, Winona Ryder, Matt Dillon. Um, yeah. fucking great movie. Like if anybody hasn't seen it and you are of our age, you should have probably <laughs> seen it by now. Um, but like they, they use my Sharona in that. Rough song. It, and they use it just so perfectly because it exactly like with a rough song, you got, you can't use it in like a clean moment either. Right. Yeah. Like the song has to meet the moment and, and it's it, total it, pervert that guy and the song meets the moment. And it's like one of those things where that, that's a big one, right? Like, um, 
because I think you you kind of have it with Queen with Bohemian Rhapsody and Wayne's World. It's like that song meets the moment, mm. right, of what they're trying to do, and which is why it all comes together at the same time, right? And that's a hard one to do. It's a hard hard thing to do. How about the scene that's set by the extended version outro of Layla and Goodfellas? Perfect, right? Like I, and it's a long song. It's a it's long like five song, minutes. and they only use the outro. They only yeah. use the instrumental, right? Like it's, it's because it's done with voiceover work at the same time. Like it's one of the best parts of the movie, it's though. Great, it's perfect. Yeah. Um, and that's one of those things where you get lucky if you're Scorsese and those guys because you're like, I need something perfect. I need something iconic that kind of matches this moment. And not many people would probably think to be like, hey, let's get Clapton. Because it probably wouldn't be cheap, right? But you can, in that case, do it. So, so you get away with it, right? Okay, so Boyd. do you know what Layla and Layla, like what the Layla stands for? No, it stands for something. Because this actually kind of, hark- yeah, this harkens actually back to like shit that I know. Okay. Like from my family and stuff, right? So like I remember... Um, Give it to me. Um... I remember being into Layla and other assorted love songs. <laughs> and then as I grow older, and this is one of those things where you start putting cultural things together. And I was like, oh, interesting. I'm going through this. And my, my parents are explaining like old, you know, much the way the Romeo and Juliet's of the world exist in British culture and all that. There are very similar um, romantic love stories in Indian culture, right? And, and, Persian and uh, Urdu and Muslim cultures, right? Generally, they're all the same, but they have like the same names and kind of stuff. So you've got like the Hir Ranja, which would be kind of like more of an Indian thing. Okay. But on the Persian side of the world was Layla Majnu. Layla being the girl, Majnu was the guy. It was like a Romeo and Juliet story. Oh. Their, their version of it, right? <clears throat> so Layla and other love songs was inspired off of that sort of 7th century Arabian tale of Layla Majnu, where it's an unrequited love, right? Like, they kill each other because they can't be together. So that's heavy, if you're Clapton, I guess. So they were all going to the Um, Maharishi or whatever back then, right? Is that where they learned that from? Yes, and that's what I mean. And, like, Harrison and his wife, Patty Boyd, at the time, had just gone very deep into that whole Indian culture and all that stuff. So... There they come back with all these stories. And here is Eric Clapton writing an entire album named Layla and other love songs. Back in for oh. right? Like it's it was all just out there in the open for anybody who needed to know it and hear it. Um yeah. Um pretty fucked up. Yeah, so I mean if okay, for those it's like the, the title Layla was inspired by the story of Layla Mudgeon, which Clapton had been told by his friend Ian Dallas, who was in the process of converting to Islam at the time. Nizami's tale about a moon princess who was married off by her father to a man she didn't love, resulting in Munchnu's madness, struck a deep chord with Clapton. I'm thankful for that, though. Because <laughs> we got some good music out of it. Some great music out of yeah. it. Yeah. Jeez. Um, <clears throat> should we talk about... Let's go. Let's go into our man. So I want to talk about the one and only Kenny Loggins. The one and only the legend we're talking about, right? We're ending the show with Kenny Loggins. 
we're going right into the danger zone here, Johnny. Oh my gosh, dude. Is the okay. Keep it, keep it it's hard for me to think which song I think is better, Footloose or Danger Zone. It's really hard. They're so great in in like when I think about the verses for Danger Zone, like I don't know the words, man. I'm not gonna try. Um, I'm just like, ooh, that's like that's a sweet, sweet melody. Um but Footloose has some great like feel to it. It's it's something to say when you've got like two of the top five of all time. Yeah. Right? Like we'll give Celine. Celine's probably got one of the top five slots, right? Just based on the nature of it. But Danger Zone and Footloose? Yeah. And to think that those are it's hard and like we 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 set this up, man. And to people who've been listening to us for like the last half hour hour, it is harder to write an original song for a movie than it is to have your song featured. And this guy did it twice. Right? Like on levels that a Huey Lewis could only wish. Right? He's bringing back um, danger zone. For Maverick, eh? For Top Gun 2? He's re-recording it. He's re-recording it. Is Jack White producing? (laughs) Because Jack White loves to get his hands in anything like that. No, Kenny Loggins doesn't need Jack White. Excuse me? No shit. No shit. (laughs) Jack White needs Kenny Loggins. Everybody needs Kenny Loggins is what we're saying. Yeah, he's re-recording for uh, Top Gun 2 for Maverick. Now, is it Highway to the Danger Zone? Or it's, it's I've it's, been to the Danger Zone? <laughs> oh, the actual uh-huh. lyric, you mean? Highway. Because in my head, it's always been, I've been to the Danger Zone. <laughs> no, no. It's definitely Highway. It? And I know this because I've lined up for the Top Gun ride at Wonderland uh, okay. many, many years okay. over and over. Because in my head, it's nonstop. I've always sang it wrong. Because to me, it makes sense. I've been to the danger zone. Sure. Who takes? I've been to the danger zone. I've been zone? to the danger zone. I'm here now. After, after being to the danger zone, that's why I can do these these freaking of uh, cool stunts in my fighter pilot. Because I've been to the danger zone. I'm not taking the highway in my fighter pilot. I don't. I don't really want to get into the lyrics because I feel like it takes away from the song when you start getting into the lyrics of some of these. I've been, but it, it, to the danger zone. It, it's literally just highway to the danger zone. I'll take you right into the danger zone. Yeah, because I've been there. right into I've been there. the danger zone. Because I've been, I can take you. I've been to the danger zone. I'll take you. I'll take you to the danger zone. Gonna gonna take it right into the danger zone. I think for me, Footloose is the better song. Okay. And only because Danger Zone is just pure rock. Yeah. Right? And it's it's that and, and it's one of those pure rock songs in that the song is so good, but you only have to say the same lyric over and over and over. Right? And it's literally like You could mix it up. Take me to the danger zone. Right? You can and mix it's like it up. you can just keep playing hard. You can just keep playing hard and just keep saying, Take me to the danger I've zone over and over and zone. over, right? Um Okay, it's the equivalent of like when okay, you just watched Cobra Kai, right? Yeah. So like D Snyder, and it's like rock, <laughs> da, da, rock, <laughs> da, da, 
rock is like the only word in the whole fucking song, yeah. right? Whereas at least Footloose has like there's a story in the song. Are either one of them the best ever? No. But so good. They're perfect with the movie. They're perfect with the movie. They hit the right time. The zeitgeist fit. That's what we were talking about this whole podcast. It doesn't have, like, it's not about the quality of the song. It's about how the song comes together in the movie at the moment, in the time and place it came out. And because of it, Footloose, the song, is going to far outlast Footloose, the movie. That's it, man. That's the thing is like all of these, like I'm all, I got all the kinds of feels right now. Cause I'm thinking about all of these like moments that I was like, all of my senses were just like, like uh, hitting tens, you know, like my eye, like, you know, like sight and sound and everything was going. And like, you know, I was feeling it and I want those moments. Like there's so many movies that we've talked about today and songs that I want to go back and rewatch and that kind of thing and kind of get that feeling for again. Let me know which songs or movies give you guys that feeling. Okay. Listen, I want the feedback. Yeah. And what are you embarrassed that you like? <laughs> all of the oh, intros uh, to Zack Snyder movies I, I like. All of those that are set to music. Time's I'm still embarrassed. Changing. I'm still embarrassed that I like Glory of Love from fucking Karate Kid Part 2. <laughs> ah, Nobody should like that song. But if you liked Karate Kid Part 2, you liked the Glory of Love. Uh, speaking of love... I, um, everybody who's listening all the way over to this two hour mark right now, I love you guys. Thanks so much for tuning in. This is, like I always say, this is fun for me to do anyways. So if someone's listening uh, to us weekly, that, that that's super cool. Mm-hmm. It would be nice. Pretty cool. So, and, yeah, thanks. Would thanks for cool. your input there. It would be pretty, pretty cool. Oh, yeah, totally. Ditto. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What he said. Yeah. Uh, thanks for listening to Can You Confirm That? Did I even say the name of our podcast yet today? Jesus. I have no idea. Uh, no. Luckily, that intro will spin it somehow. So you know where you are. And what we confirmed. Anyways, thanks again. Uh, if you're listening still, I appreciate it so much. Kick off those Sunday shoes, folks. Let's go. All right. If you listen to Jenna Marbles or, or watch Jenna Marbles, <laughs> if you listen to her podcast. Oh, God. Uh, you follow her on YouTube. Tag us and her in the same post. Let her know that at the end of every episode, I'm telling her that we miss her and she should come back. All Jenna Marbles are created uh, before equal. Before it's too late. <laughs> before <laughs> it's too late. Yeah. <laughs> Have a good one.